Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Scheduled 
because uh, I know we, we have people who uh, look forward and, and call and listen to the show. So we'll see as far as we can go. But the first one, uh, we're going to get some updates of people, and you can find some of these updates on the uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk website on the, get, uh, on the newsroom page. And if you could uh, just check that out at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, well, I'll be able to uh, get you there so you can see all the different articles from tonight and subsequent shows. And uh, with all the coverage, you know, of the what's going on in uh, Houston, of course, our you know thoughts uh, go out to those folks and hope that they'll be able to uh, rebuild their lives in short order. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get that. Uh, also, I uh, want to wish my dad a happy 87th birthday uh, today. So hopefully. Uh, Dad, you'll be able to uh, hear that as well, and uh, love you, buddy. Uh, great guy, and uh, maybe I'll be able to talk more about it later, but we'll see how the, the night goes. But uh, first, uh, just in case if you have not heard, uh, because of all the coverage, of course, of what's going down in Houston, uh, I do got some articles uh, we'll uh, check out, and you can do some more research and find some more uh, information on it. But if you'd like, uh, like to, you can uh, give us a call at 347 347- Nine four five seven four two eight, and we'll uh, get you into the show. Uh, for those who are already uh, called in, you can press the one on your number dial, and we'll get you into the program. So the first, uh, as I stated, something you may or may not know, uh, is that there has been a proposed amendment that would stop the funding of Special Counsel Mueller's Russia investigation after this law is passed. Now this. Uh, article, as I said, you can find on the Bard's Logic Political Talks uh, newsroom page at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And uh, this article is uh, says, boom, a GOP lawmaker proposes amendment to stop Mueller probe after 180 days. Ron DeSantis, Republican Florida, so hopefully we'll be able to hear from Cindy tonight, so perhaps she would hear uh, something about it tonight. Uh, she can... Uh, uh, fill us in some maybe some details But it says Ron DeSantis of Republican Florida Proposed an amendment that would stop funding Special Counsel Mueller's Russia investigation 180 days after the law passed It said A Republican lawmaker has put forth An amendment that, uh, the amendment that Would stop funding some special Counsel's Russian investigation 180 days after it becomes law The amendment from Representative Ron DeSantis Would also prevent Special Counsel Robert Mueller from probing matters occurring before June 2015, which is the month Trump announced his presidential bid. The amendment was submitted as part of the upcoming spending package. The lower chamber is expected to weigh after the congressional recess. Uh, President of Judicial Watch Tom Fitton repeatedly calls the Mueller investigation out of control and unconstitutional and demands it be shut down. Mueller issued subpoenas last week to various PR firms, and the Podesta Group was one of the firms highlighted. Fenton tweeted out, Mueller's still out of control. What are the crimes at issue? As TGP previously reported, Robert Mueller stacked the special counsel team with Democrat donors and Obama lawyers. Greg Andres, Andres is the 16th lawyer to be added to Mueller's team. He worked under Eric Fast and Furious Holder from 2010 to 2012. 
No bias here, though. This is a completely fair investigation, as Paul Ryan says. Yeah, go figure. We all know about Paul Ryan being uh, the establishment Republican. But anyway, it says Mueller previously announced uh, Jeannie Ray would be an attorney on his team. Jeannie Ray served for two years under Eric Holder. It says Jeannie Ray is a Clinton Foundation lawyer and former deputy assistant attorney general under Barack Obama. It says there is no evidence of collusion, and even if collusion occurred, it would not be a crime, just like the fact that Hillary Clinton colluded with Ukraine was not a crime. So here is a look at the 15 other attorneys investigating Trump. DeSantis is right to propose an amendment to stop funding this charade. Uh, Mueller and his lawyers will continue to hunt for something, anything, in order to justify their existence so they continue to draw a paycheck. Well, that's not all they want to do is not just draw a paycheck. That's for certain. Uh, they definitely want more than that. And it continues on. So we'll go down the list here for those who you know, but for those who do not. Of course, we've got Rush Atkinson, an attorney on detail from the Criminal Division, uh, Division Fraud Section at the Department of Injustice. He donated $200 to Hillary Clinton 2016. Peter Carr, DOJ spokesman under Barack Obama. Andrew Goldstein, a public corruption prosecutor on detail from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York. He worked under the Trump basher Preet Bharara in the liberal New York Southern District. Then there was Adam Jed, an appellate attorney on detail from the Department of Justice Civil Division, and he was a defender of Obamacare at the Justice, uh, Department of Justice. And Robert Mueller is the special counsel team leader. And, of course, we have here that uh, best friend to fire leaker, you know, Trump uh, fired uh, James Comey, which was a very good friend of, as we know, of uh, Mueller. And then it goes on. It says, Lisa Page, an attorney on detail from FBI Office of the General Counsel and formal trial attorney with the Criminal Division, Organized Crime, and Gang Section. Uh, they also investigated Ukraine oligarchy Dmitry Firtash, a one-time business partner of former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort at the De- uh, Department of Justice. Proliger, an appellate attorney, on detail from the office of the Solicitor General, fluent Russia, and former law clerk of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Ellen Keegan. There's James Corliss, a former partner at Wilmer Hale and a former assistant special prosecutor for the Watergate Special uh, Prosecution Force. He's a former assistant special prosecutor on the Watergate Special Prosecution Force. And again, we mentioned uh, Renee, uh, Ginny Ray. There's also Brandon Von Grack, an attorney on detail from the Justice Department's National Security Division, which led a grand jury inquiry and North Virginia's scrutinizing former Trump-associated Michael Flynn's foreign lobbying. Then there was Andrew Weissman, who on detail from the Criminal Division's fraud section, and he served as general counsel at the FBI and as an assistant at U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York. Uh, Weissman donated $2,300 to the Obama Victory Fund in 2008, $2,000 to the DNC in 2006, and at least $2,300 
to the Clinton campaign in 2007. Aaron Zebley, a former partner at uh, Wilmer Hale, who has previously served with Mueller at the FBI and has served as an assistant U.S. attorney in the Eastern District of Virginia. And he worked with Robert Mueller at the Willer Hale firm. And here are some of the others. Mueller's have less uh, conspicuous political leanings. Uh, we have Aaron Zelensky, an attorney on detail from the U.S. Attorney Office in the District of Maryland, worked under Assistant uh, Attorney General Rod Rosenstein in Maryland. And there's Zanab Admad, a top national security prosecutor, on detail from U.S. Attorney Office and the Eastern District of New York. And then there's Michael Dreven, an appellate attorney, on detail from a office of the Solicitor General, described by former colleagues as one of the brightest criminal law experts of the past two, two generations. But anyway, as you hear down the list, okay, if you hear down the list, then they're all where, – where's anyone from the GOP? Where's anyone from, let's say, the Bush administration? You know, uh, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear any of that. So uh, what we've got here is it <laughs> sounds like it's stacked. Now, I know one of the arguments would be, oh, well, you can't have people who would support Trump being on <clears throat> a panel uh, that's uh, supposed to be looking into possible crimes. Uh, well, however, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, in this nation, right, uh, judged by your peers. Well, I don't certainly see any of uh, Trump's peers in there. Also, you know. You would think it would be a balance. Remember the scales of justice. Uh, the scales of justice seem to be quite unbalanced there, and it seems like uh, that there is anyway, – it doesn't seem. It's obvious. There's no, there's no balance there in, in the people who are, you know, are picked. And so with this bill, you know, I would like to you know, hear more about it, but they did, have, as I stated, I mean it is tacked on to another bill, which of course I – you know, the spending bill, which, you know, the, the way the Congress is going, and we could talk about that a little bit uh, later, or even now for that matter, uh, in that we, uh, you know, if we're waiting for a bill to pass, then there's just going to be no way that we, you know, it's, it's going to happen. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's great for him to put that out there, but if there's going to be uh, no way to have it, uh, you know, defunded or not funded, you know, and that's remember it's 180 days, you know, which is about six six months after this law is passed. Now we all know that hey, it takes forever, you know. So this thing in amendment, I think this should be something that should be uh, that sits on its own. I think it should be something that you know isn't reliant on another bill passing because it's going to take that bill in and of itself, not just the amendment. Uh, the past for this to happen. So is this something that even, you know, when it was put out there, did they really think, I mean, did the Santas really think that this was really going to come to pass? You know, I mean, or is it just, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's grandstanding. Uh, I, I don't know really a lot about the Santas, you know, uh, as I stated earlier, hopefully we'll hear from Cindy and she'll be able to do, uh, to tell us, uh, you know, more about them because she's from Florida. Uh, but who, you know, We'll see if that remains to be, you know, remains to be seen. And so, oh, get the message. Okay. So anyway, so you know, we got the bill we have there, and hold on, folks. I'm going to have to check something out. As I stated earlier, I may have to even stop things here real quick. 
and I apologize for that, especially since, you know, I wasn't not here uh, last week. So I'm going to have to uh, check on something here real quick. I apologize and have to put some music on here because we got some, looks like some difficulties here on that. But actually, well, I'll play one of my uh, a speech. I'll find a, a, a good speech for it because I got to unfortunately check something out here. Uh, and then get back to you. Uh, let's see if I can find that. There we go. Let's let me play this for you while I check this out. Uh, I'll be back soon, hopefully. Thank you. To command a space shuttle mission. Good evening. It's great to be here with you tonight. Thank you. From the moment the first pilgrims arrived on our shores, Americans have been asking, what's next? We are a nation built by the passion of people who weren't afraid to do something first, to step into the unknown and to pave our own way forward. We are a nation of explorers. In 1961, President Kennedy issued a challenge to America to land a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth. And 47 years ago, on this very day, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin answered that call and they walked on the moon. They took with them an American flag and a plaque bearing the inscription, Here, men from planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969. We came in peace for all mankind. We landed on the moon to fulfill a leadership challenge and to explore. We know that exploration leads to invention, innovation, and discovery. For example, our successful robotic missions to Mars, Jupiter, and Pluto have provided valuable information about our own planet. But in 2011, the space shuttle program ended. The last time the United States launched our own astronauts from our own soil was over five years ago. We must do better than that. Countries that are strong are countries that explore, invent, and discover to remain resilient in a changing world. I'm honored to have played a role in our nation's heritage of explorers as the first woman to command a space shuttle mission, joining the ranks of those that have fought to lead the way. Thanks. And we are all so proud of our Apollo program that put our astronauts on the moon first in peace for all mankind. Nations that lead on the frontier lead in the world. We 
need that visionary leadership again. Leadership that will inspire the next generation of explorers to have that same passion. We need leadership that will ask Americans, Americans will ask again, what's next? We need leadership that will make America's space program first again. Yes. And we need leadership that will make America great again. I want to thank all of you. Thank you for what you're doing. God bless America. Can you hear me? There is no sound or volume. Your mic is off. Oh my gosh, folks. I'm I'm here now. I'm here. Uh, so yeah, I just got some messages. Looks like I was having some technical things going on here. I apologize I, uh, for I for that. Now. Can you hear me now, Doctor Tolbert? Yeah, now I hear you. Oh wow, that's terrible. Yeah, I had some things they had to look at behind the scenes. Some of them technical, some not. Uh, and it looks like uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you letting me know. I just you know I mean I can't hear myself over the the airway so. Uh, I apologize for that. We kind of got a, a rough start on the show tonight, uh, so I apologize. For yeah. that. But you know, I sent out the the article, and you got the opportunity to read that you know, about the bill. But you're some you're from Florida, so uh, have you heard anything more about that amendment to the bill? You know, one of the issues we have is that no, I haven't heard any amendments to the bill. And t- explain the bill again, because I got two or three texts from you. Yeah, well, this one is it's by uh, Ron DeSantis, and he proposed he proposed. I guess it's not even on a bill yet. So that's even something he proposed a bill, an amendment uh, that looks like it's been uh, it's going to be attached. You know, at least according to this article, uh, that they're looking to have it being attached to the um, the spending bill, the spending package they're they're looking to vote and discuss on. And he's proposing an amendment. That would, I guess, defund after 180 days after the bills pass, uh, you know, the investigation. You know, at least according to the article, that's that's what they're looking. It's what it's looking to do. I, yeah, now I remember the bill you're talking about, and and they can legally do that, or can they? That's going to be the real question. They stop the funding for the special counsel. Right, but does that mean they can disengage the special counsel? Without the attorney general or the assistant attorney general closing it down, how would that be legal under the Constitution? The assistant attorney general is the only one that can close it down, and if they defund it, wouldn't that be a violation of the actual authority of the attorney general? 
That's a very good. That's a very good question. I know because I mean, while they have the the power to, I guess maybe that's part of the checks and balances. I mean, they do have the power to open it and shut it down, uh, but then the Congress has the power of the purse, so they could say, "Well, you guys can have this investigation. You can have these people. We're just not going to pay anybody. We're just not going to put any. We're just not going to spend any money on it." And then by default. You, know, you, you can have the council; it could still exist. But if no one's getting paid, you know, I mean, are they going to do all the? I mean, I guess it could still exist. They'll just have to do all the work uh, pro bono, or I guess other investigative work pro bono, or find funding somewhere else. Yeah, and that's going to be the interesting part of it because if they do that, you know, we go right back to the only way to close it is you fire the assistant attorney general that was put in position. You replace him and then close the um, investigation. But if Congress defunds it, their only option would be to change the rules as they did in the past on the authority that the assistant attorney general has, and then they would have to change the law. They can't just arbitrarily... I declare war on your country, but I'm not going to give the army any money. You see the problem? Well, you know, well, on to that point, you know, it's, you know, I guess, they, as I said earlier, maybe that's part of the, you know, the, the balance of it. You know, if, if Congress says, okay, well, you've got this council, about basically they feel like they're abusing their power. And, and stack in the deck, so to speak. They say, okay, well, you can have your panel. You just can't. We just we're just not going to fund it. I mean, I you know, I get, but uh, with war, it'd be different though because they need Congress to really to declare declare war. So why would they not fund a war that they would <laughs> that they you know that they declared? Well, they got to go back to the fact who declared or made the law of the FBI's authority to assign a council. It was a law passed by Congress. So if Congress is the one that established how they go about and do this, and then Congress defunds the authority under the laws established by Congress under the Rich and Richard uh, Nixon's uh, administration, then isn't that – there's a lot of problems in that, uh, Robert. I'm, I'm not sure if I can come up with a – a reasonable answer how they're going to do that because it seems like it's going to be a conflict. So if they, if they pass it or if they don't pass it, it comes back down to they're only not going to do it because they believe it's a waste of time and money. In that case, do they have the authority to displace the assistant attorney general, which the president has the authority to do? And why hasn't the president stepped in and done it? I mean, it's, let's go to the story that there's rumors now that he's going to run for president, but not as a Republican, but as an independent. I heard about I, that. Just, yeah, there's a little talk about that today. I mean, at least yeah, at the dinner table, guy. Yeah, no, there's just so many things going on right now concerning, you know, what and they're doing. It's It's kind of like, you know, let's take Texas for an example. And everybody's going to Texas, but they didn't call the National Guards until last night? Why didn't they call the National Guards before it happened? When we had that problem in Florida, and I sent a letter to the governor 
and told him if this ever happened again, call the National Guards immediately. The next time it happened, guess what? The governor called the National Guards as soon as they were put on alert. Well, why didn't Texas do that? I'm kind of changing you off that other subject because I don't think there's an answer. So, um, and then I can take you to the subject of this lady that you just did the the uh, snapshot on the uh, uh, news clip, and she's out of her mind. How's that for How an answer? How so? Because, you know, when you sit there and put the uh, armed forces and all of its expenses into the ability to send a rocket into the air, and we have the capability of shooting missiles out of the sky, but we didn't even do that when one flew over Japan in the last couple of days. And we have the capability, and you want to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to go out of space, which there's the argument who controls outer space, controls the airways, controls all the uh, highways in the sky. Uh, you start a race for multi-millions of dollars, but you still don't have a ground force. You still don't have an armed forces. You don't have the ability to uh, occupy a country. Where should the money be spent initially? Should it be build up your ground forces and your ships and your air force? Or should multi-billions of dollars be spent reaching another planet? And then her question is, is she questioning the president that need a new commander? Because she certainly wasn't enforcing Trump. In everything she said, oh, well, that was she actually, was, actually that's an, well, that's actually real, real quick, Doctor Tober. That's actually an old clip. That's not anything new. That actually, that clip okay. was actually taken from yeah. That clip was actually taken from uh, the RNC convention. She was actually yeah. uh, one of the speakers at the RNC convention. Uh, you know, Trump's convention, and and she actually yeah. thought that you know it was speaking how Trump would have the vision to you know reinvigorate the space program. Yeah, the way she. Praised and I was listening to it the way she put it all together. It would be reason everybody say remove Trump because um, you got to have a better ground force, and this is what's not happening right now. Uh, the problems in these other countries, uh, what we're seeing in uh, with Russia and China, uh, the non-control of the uh, uh, the seas, the oceans are now being controlled by China. Uh, we've lost so much of our ability. I mean, we're having ships running to other ships. We can't even figure out who's in the water next to us. Uh, Our satellite uh, equipment and our navigation equipment has gotten to a point where we're not even able to control anything we're doing. Uh, I know there's arguments about, and, and people have them, about the space programs, and I'm not sure I agree with all the civil investment into it and the uh, military not putting money into it, but there is a big argument. And I, I stand on the old school army and the old school army is you build up a ground force that you can control and you build up your ships and your air force. And in today's technology, we have the ability to do something, but no one's doing it. Uh, They're all worried about the electronic warfare that will take out our computer and our grids. Uh, 
is this argument about going to space going to help any of that? What's your thought? Well, it's certainly something that, you know, and, and I've said this many times, and, and we're going to get Susan on the line shortly, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to belabor the point because, you know, I, I don't want to go too off subject. But I mean, but I said a long time, uh, you know, is that if there, it's a shame that we spend all the, have to spend all this money on, you know, bombs and missiles and foot soldiers and, and all this stuff just because people always want to, always want to kill us. Maybe, you know, if the, the goal of, not just America, but if maybe a goal of the humanity was to actually reach out and better ourselves instead of trying to, you know, kill each other all the time, <laughs> you know, the, you know, for land or, or land that used to belong to a certain country or something all the way, you know, you think we've advanced farther than that, you know, in our society is not just, you know, American society, but as a human society as a whole, you know, you would think that, you know, we would be able to latch on to something such as, you know, invigorating space programs, things of that nature, because that's something that's, you know, beyond, you know, also that's a, you know, something we can contribute to instead of all this, you know, and as I said, I'm not going to belabor the point, but I mean, but I've said it many times before, you know, to try to find something we can actually rally behind. And also, you know, with what we'll talk about later on in the, in the night about, you know, you know, liberal and conservative and what have you, you talk about Trump maybe uh, running as an independent, is that, you know, try to find, you know, a topic that's not necessarily, you know, a, a right-left topic because, you know, the the split between, you know, the, you know, so-called liberals and conservatives in this country now, I mean, we're so polarized now. I mean, I think if we could find a topic that, you know, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, uh, that we could agree with, you know, in, in some harmony, <laughs> you know, on, on striving for something, I mean, you know, on the left, you're striving for global warming and, you know, oh, let's take care of warming. You know, on the right, you know, we want to try to maintain our sovereignty or something of that nature, you know. And, and so, you know, if you could find something that, you know, both can agree on, uh, then maybe that could be something we could work, you know, work together and maybe that can, you know, make things not as, as polarized as I state it now. But anyway, I don't want to, as I said, I don't want to talk too much on that. Uh, I don't want to talk about, you know, what the thoughts on, you know, stopping the Mueller probe. It's something that you really haven't been hearing much in the news, I mean, which I'm kind of glad. I was getting really tired of it, uh, but it's still out there, and it still exists. And, you know, I think, you know, people you want to hear about updates on it, and that's, you know, one of the things we do is, is give people updates, you know, on topics that people, you know, sometimes forget about uh, because, of course, with the, the 24-hour news cycle, you know, they want to just go – you know, go on to something else to try to keep people's interest because it's all about, I mean, when it comes down to it for them, it's all, it's really all about ratings. You know, we haven't heard as much about this Mueller investigation stuff, you know, especially with uh, what's been going on in Houston and then other things, of course, now they want to say it's global warming that caused Houston. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but, you know, now we've kind of moved away from the topic just like a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, when we were talking about uh, the murder investigation of Seth Ritz, you know, People don't really talk about that anymore, but that's something that still bears, uh, you know, scrutiny. Uh, so we'll, um, you know, so we, we'd like to just bring things up in mind. So let's go ahead and bring in Susan. I do see other people on their line. I just pushed a one on your number dial when you're ready to get in. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Uh, thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm fine. Um, 
you know, you're looking for sanity in a world that's in pain anymore. And and I'm not saying everybody is, but I'm just saying I read some of these little things I find from different sources, and I just, I don't know. I mean, have you heard about the radically paranoid leftists who complain that silk dispensers are racist because they only respond to white skin? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And there's a feminist who's pushing to eliminate Father's Day because she wants a special person's day instead. Right. Okay. So here's all these crazy people. And a guy, <clears throat> Bull Gore's anti bullfighting activist, who jumped into the arena like the bull knew that he was trying to help him. I mean, so there's just crazy stuff. How do you deal with exposing these other topics that are more whatever you call it, serious, uh, uh, that will help fix and change things. When people have that mentality, I I just don't see how. I mean, I just, like, shook my hand, like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) So that's my entry into this. Well, yeah, I mean, we're just like, and I'm just going to make mention of it, uh, just like there's a place in Oberlin, Ohio, that wants to get rid of, uh, Columbus Day and put in Indigenous Peoples Day when only point or zero point two of their population is Indigenous population. So just, it's all PC and it doesn't make sense. Uh, another paid holiday. I'm sorry. They want another paid holiday or another excuse to drink. <laughs> oh no, it's not. No, it's not actually. No, it's not in addition to. It's in replacement of. They actually want to replace oh. Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. So anyway, oh, okay. uh, yeah. But but with this uh, this bill, man. I mean, we you know, Dr. Colbert, you know, and, and I agree with him on some points where you know the defunding it can you know can cause problems. And I mean, I even think that if they did do it, people would try to be like. Oh look, they're trying to protect Trump, blah 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 blah, you know, and and even make it even more partisan, you know, than it already is. I mean, so I could see where that could cause trouble, okay. But whereas, uh, you know, I mean, they, but they do have the power of the purse, but I do see where it has some problems. But anyway, I mean, so what do you think about you know that as an effort or, or an idea, you know, to just stopping until so you talk about madness. Uh, stopping this, you know, <laughs> stopping this madness, this, this mule investigation madness, which we we all know just by even the people who are part, and we we heard who they are earlier. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, stop this ridiculousness because it's it's not about finding the truth; it's about doing, you know, it's about stopping the Trump administration. Yeah, that's what they do. Um, if they're going to pardon anybody, which they don't really need to be pardoned, I want to see the Bundys and all of them helped, you know, because it's been miserable for them. So I I want to see that, but I don't see a lot of people crying out for that. Sadly, I did. For are, are we talking about our Pio uh, for that he was pardoned? Oh no, no! I'm talking about no. What they're trying to, what they're talking about is what Ron DeSantis, uh, Republican Florida, is talking about doing is in the next spending bill. 
He's talking about adding an amendment uh, that would say, hey, after this bill is passed, 180 days after this bill is passed, they're going to stop the funding uh, for the uh, the Mueller investi- the Mueller investigation. Oh, that's what the, that's an amendment he's talked about putting on to the spending bill. Because I mean they do have I mean they do have to fund it. I mean if it's going to go on, I mean the people got to keep having their paychecks, right? Uh, and so you know they're saying, look, we just won't we just won't put any money to it. I say yeah, a lot of money out. Yeah, Robert. There's also two bills being uh, placed, taking the authority away from firing. Mueller by uh, Trump and Congress has had two bills placed in front of them to do that. So when we look at defunding and then how Congress is, and and there's actually an article that was written on August 8, 2017, the unconstitutionality of Congress interacting or doing anything in regards to the investigation. So, here they're trying to say they're going to keep him on, and that would be unconstitutional. That would mean that if they tried to defund it, that would be unconstitutional. So unless Trump goes in and does something, he's the only one that has the authority. Then a new assistant is put in place, and they close it down. There is really no authority there for Congress. That's the problem with this. Well, I don't know. I mean, the uh, here's what it's called. It's called these bills may or may not be constitutional. After all, they're an example of the legislative branch poking around in executive branch personnel matters. They may or may not pass. Can the Congress override the authority? Of the legend, the executive branch of the government. Remembering FBI is not part of the legislative; it's part of the executive. You have three branches of government. So, if the Congress gets involved, if the Congress then overrides the executive branch, haven't we done the exact same thing that happened in Venezuela, where the executive branch overrode the? legislative and the Supreme Court and the executive branch took authority. What if Congress takes authority over the executive branch? Haven't we then destroyed the Constitution? But isn't that but isn't that actually working as the Constitution intended by having a balance of power? Well that's right. There's a check and balance, but the check and balance check and balance, right. But isn't that being a check? I mean, isn't that a, a, a illustration of check of the checks and balances? No, that would be an overstep of authority. That would be a difference. There's a check and balance, which means that you can only follow the rules of the Constitution, and I can check to make sure you do. But if I then take over the Constitution from my position of one of the three branches, Supreme Court made a law. When the Supreme Court made a law, did they violate the Constitution? The check and balance should have been the executive and the legislation should have gotten rid of the members of the Supreme Court. We didn't do that. That's a check and balance. You've overreached your authority. That's why we have a check and balance. 
if the president but, I mean, is, but it, has, go ahead. But it's but it's but it, but it's it's stated in the Constitution that the, the, we've heard this phrase before that the Congress does have the power of the purse. They can they can dictate what gets paid for and what doesn't. That's that's correct. They 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 are the one who sets the budget and who determines what gets paid and what does not get paid. That's correct. Can they defund it? And if it impacts or takes away the authority of the executive branch, and that's the question that is going to end up in the Supreme Court. That's going to be the problem. It wouldn't be questioned, and and it probably rolled. Oh yeah, I mean it's going to cause all. And uh, John will get you in. Uh, I mean it's going to cause all kinds of problems. I mean it's all kinds of craziness. That's that's for certain if they do it. I mean uh, yeah. Right. I mean I'm not saying it's a a great idea. I'm just saying that do they? You know, I think they they could at least attempt to do it. Now whether the courts get involved or not, and they they decide. Uh, you know whether it's something that, that that's something that's constitutional. Uh, but I mean, I mean, do we just keep letting? I mean, and I know one of the suggestions you have is to just have Trump fire. But what's like? I mean, what's that going to look like uh, if Trump just fires the? You know, would you say the deputy? You know, the attorney general? You know, if he just fires him, well, I mean, what's that going to look like for Trump? I mean, that's another firestorm. I mean, what is a good way to end this debacle of this investigation uh, without basically people getting egg on their face? Well, let's go back to the fact that the the assistant attorney general was put in position by Obama. Trump has not replaced a member of his staff or assigned a new attorney general. Based on that scenario, Trump could decide that the man is not capable. There are multiple uh, actions being brought against the assistant attorney general along with Mueller for violations before Trump took office, their background investigations show that they have breached the ethic laws and other actions that they had done previously. So Trump has the grounds to fire him to assign a new person, which he should have done within his first 90 days, and he did not do. So would it be to his advantage to do that, and is the investigation, in fact, only being put in place by the Democrat Party to prevent uh, Trump from having and doing what he's supposed to do? And if we defund it or if we pass a bill, and there are several articles looking at the Congress wanting to pass a amendment or a law uh, taking Trump out of position to do these things. And then, of course, the one that they're talking about defunding, which would be totally opposite, all of this is contradictive and none of it can happen. And would Trump have the right to veto anything they presented and could they get the majority to do it? Isn't that all just a waste of time? Uh that's a yeah, good question. One I would want to. <laughs> yeah, but no. Let's John see what John's got to say on that one. Well, yeah, I ponder that. Uh, <laughs> so let's get to get John. In. Yeah, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show, Harry. And I think it could be a waste, you know, of time, and it could, as I said earlier, you know, cause a lot of havoc. But it's like, I mean, 
something's got to be done because the, the more this investigation goes on, the more opportunity they're going to have to just try to – and remember, not only are they talking about defunding this, they're also saying, look, part of this bill isn't just to defund it. It's also saying, look, you can't go – you know, you cannot – your probe cannot go to matters occurring before June 2015. You know, so basically it's saying, look, you know, you can't go back to years and years and years and years and years, you know, even prior to, to Trump, you know, running for president or even announcing it trying to find dirt on the guy to try to smear his his presidency, to try to, you know, delegitimize his presidency. I think that's also another one of the purposes of it because, you know, now, you know, they're trying to go into finances from years and years ago. Uh, but let's go ahead. John, uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, I'm doing fine, Robert. Um, you guys are hitting on all cylinders. I think this is such an important in, um, topic for our whole nation to be involved because we kind of assume in our conversations a lot of times that everybody respects the Constitution, especially those that work in Congress. And the more citizens that can get involved in these discussions, the more we um, inform each other about what's actually constitutional or not. And to me, I'm, I'm scratching my head wondering how can they not see that the injustice is the fact that there's undue influence and a conflict of interest in trying to pack this special prosecutor staff in the way that they're doing it. Because they're just asking for problems because, number one, anybody that feels that they want to see justice served to all Americans, then they ought to know that you cannot have this kind of makeup of personnel in this special prosecuting staff and think that Trump even has any kind of representation at all. It's, it totally blows my mind that anybody would even think we need to have any more laws. We just need to have a conversation, as you guys are, to find out the details of what we all can agree is justice and acceptable, because we need truth, and we need to be able to trust each other. And as long as we keep allowing the system to be divided and conquer and beat down each other without, where we can't trust each other and, and we're working off fake news or whatever you want to call it, fake information, you know, it's like we're going to live by what seems right in our own eyes and we don't really have the means to be able to find justice between ourselves with each other and, and know what's constitutional, then we're just asking for the whole society to fall apart. And so you guys are, I just hope that a whole lot of people get to hear this conversation and become a part of it. And we can actually contact our congressmen and senators and they will actually come to their senses and start realizing we need to be able to convey and communicate with each other to the point that we all are in agreement in what justice is and what it looks like and how it works. Otherwise we're going to have factions that are going to try to play dictators, and we're going to just destroy each other because you've got the, the Congress, the um, stock market, business, economy, everything works on trust. And right now, we don't trust our our religious institutions. We think they're all, you know, crooked. We don't trust our government. We think they're all crooked. We can't trust our business partners and transactions. We think they're all crooked trying to manipulate us. It's just like everywhere we turn, we, we, we're manipulating ourselves. We're destroying ourselves. 
So I think this is a very important conversation. I think you guys are hitting the nail on the head. We just need to find out how to get more people involved to arrive at what is justice in this scenario to eliminate the conflicts of interest and undue influence that's obvious without any other laws. Back to you. Well, I think that's a good segue to uh, a little bit early uh, – uh, a little bit early, a little bit early uh in the show in our next segment and uh, you know and we'll see what everyone of course here on the panel uh thinks and for those out there listening just give us a call at 347-945-7428 and normally I don't read like the whole of of articles things of that nature but this one I will it's not real long but I want to hear if you think this uh makes sense and uh, this, again, this article you can find on the uh, Bard's Logic Political Talk news, uh, newsroom page at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Okay, and this one uh, says the deep state's three-stage revolution against the people. And I figured since you know, we call ourselves the grassroots We the People show, I thought this article was pretty fitting for, for our show here. Uh, and so, you know, again, the, the deep state's three-stage revolution against the people. It says, most people in this country fail to recognize where they are at with regard to history. The majority do not see what we are already in a state of rebellion, a civil war, if you will. However, most people, if they heard these words, they would believe that it was the average American that will be involved in a civil war, and they would be wrong. Today, the rebellion has to do with the deep state and their minions rebelling against the legitimate authority, namely the U.S. government and its people. It is the George Soros's who are in the state of rebellion. There are three stages associated with the rebellion. Stage one of the revolution. The first stage of a revolution is a war of ideas and a campaign for the truth. So I, you know, I think you and John uh, – Definitely uh, touched on it, and you with some of that craziness you're talking about, Susan. So certainly fake news is at the center of this. The Russian collusion delusion also fits into his paradigm. Stage one is about the control of the narrative. Where I see the enemy at the gate, most of my friends and neighbors are sleeping through the unfolding attack. We are in a war of words, and if we fail to use our words to awaken all of humanity— we are hopelessly lost, and the globalists will carve us up for dinner. There is indeed strength in numbers, and if we are unable to wake up our fellow countrymen, we will negate the only true tactical advantage uh, that the people enjoy, which is ideological solidarity from a numerically superior force. It should now make sense to you as to why 98% of the media is controlled. We've talked about this with uh, – with a number of folks, including uh, Jim Condit Jr. Uh, we've talked about this couple, a couple of times on the show, and you too, Kelly. Uh, it says, it should now make sense to you why 98% of the media is controlled by globalist-controlled business interests consisting of five mega corporations, who in turn are controlled one way or another by the members of the Federal Reserve. In order to win this fight, we need more people speaking out, making videos, and calling uh, mainstream media talk shows 
We especially need to reach the police and the military in order to remind them of their constitutional duty. And we have had the Oath Keepers. Uh, we had the founder of the Oath Keepers on the uh, show before. Maybe we'll get him uh, back on uh, you know, shortly. Not tonight, but I mean get him back on. But anyway, it says their constitutional duty to protect the people against a tyrannical government, but this is not what we are seeing. Our counter to the control of the ma- our counter to the control of the mainstream media is to exclusively support the alternative media, such as Bard's Logic. They didn't put such as Bard's Logic. I had that in there. If the deep state is successful in taking down the alternative media, then it will become necessary to enact a type of committee of correspondences apparatus similar to what our founding fathers did. In the pre-revolutionary war period in our history, on our ground communication is timeless, effective, and very difficult for a totalitarian government to negate. It says stage two of the revolution. Stage two of the revolution consists of civil disobedience. We are seeing stage one globalist tactics bleeded over into stage this stage, even before the coup to take down Trump, is complete. This stage has to do with George Soros and paid protesters. This is about a contrived, racially motivated civil war. America, remember, folks, uh, remember what the composition of the United States is, you know, on, on the racial divides. And that would give you, you know, more credence to what he's saying. But anyway, it says America has gone from a republic to a police state in less than a generation, or the police not doing stuff. And if they do, they get arrested and put on trial. But anyway, the evidence for this transformation is as follows, and it has been a long time coming. One, the passage of the John Warner defense bill removed all the firewalls between the people and subjugation by federally controlled troops. A few scant spoke out, and nobody resisted. The passage of the NDAA, which we've talked many times on this show, eliminated all due process as it permitted the administration to arrest and indefinitely detain any American without due process. This is what makes the Jade Helm political red list extractions legal and subsequent population relocation legal. A few scant spoke out, and nobody resisted. Number three, Obama's declaration through Executive Order 13603 proclaiming the authority seized control over any and all assets in the country and to involve slave labor at Obama's whim. A few scouts I, – I, I, we have to know more so we can maybe look that up and we can get some more on uh, Executive Order uh, 13603. A few scants spoke out, and nobody resisted. This is the blueprint for the total takeover of the U.S. should the globalists ever capture, ever capture the White House. Four, uh, Obama announced intention to seize all military-grade weapons. Obama's definition of military-style weapons is anything that can shoot a bullet. Uh, so you will soon be reading that all newly produced firearms have a microchip in them so they can be tracked. Any totalitarian regime can cut off the legs out of a revolution by disarming the people. When the American people were under control of Jade Helm, 
I predict that the gun confiscation will begin through an executive order. A scant few will speak out, and no one will resist. Okay, and it says no matter what gun control laws that the deep state brings to American people, the people need to disobey as civil disobedience is our best friend. However, passive disobedience is our very best friend. Most readers already know what happens when a civilian population surrender their guns. If your knowledge of history is shaky, take a look at Pol Pot, Rwanda, Hitler, Stalin, and Mao. The University of Hawaii tells us that over 260 million people killed by their governments in the 20th century, and this was accomplished after gun confiscation. Any nation that gives up its guns has sealed its fate. When, not if... Uh, but when the yeah, – when not if, but when the deep state comes for our guns, all of us have a constitutional duty to dis- disobey these unlawful policies. And even if we manage to hang on our guns, it's easy to predict what the next move as Stalin evoked, the practice of creating food shortages. You can count on this happening. Stage three, all-out war, a successful revolution – cannot simply jump to stage three without having, a progr- uh, having progressed through the first two stages, and this is the strategy of the globalists, and they are dragging the people to the battlefield of their choice. When Stalin's forces were dragging a third of the Russians out of their homes, it was too late for the Russians to fight back because the ideological base of the resistance and a sense of collection action through just civil disobedience had not been built. This was the Stalinist objective of Jade Helm. The Russian people were defeated by Stalin because they did not win stage one of the revolution. We desperately need to heed this lesson from history and embark on a tireless crusade to wake up our country as to the dangers that lie ahead. And even if people are sufficiently awakened, it does not guarantee victory of any kind unless we, of course, the bravado crowd has stored direct energy weapons has directed energy weapons in their basement. <laughs> okay, I think that was a little out there. So, blah, blah, blah. It says, in conclusion, so I did skip a little bit. So it says, in, declu- in conclusion, stage one is about regaining control of the White House through a globalist president. This is why Trump faces either assassination or impeachment on fake charges. The newest allegation that Trump is a racist is part of a plot against the people. Stage one is nearly complete. Stage two is underway, and our Constitution and the people as a whole are under attack. When Trump is out of the way, stage two and three will commence with a vengeance. If one wonders why I fight so hard against tyranny, you have learned the reason. Mike Pence is a globalist. How many times, folks, have I told you that he was a pick of Paul Ryan, and I, I believe Paul Ryan's a globalist, but anyway – he will make an excellent transition president. In the meantime, are you prepared so you and your family can adapt? Well, we don't want to adapt. We want to uh, make sure that these things don't happen. And let's go ahead and get first get the thoughts of Kelly, and then we'll bring things back around to Dr. Tolbert and then Susan and John. I'm sure I'll throw some comments in there as well. But first, let's bring it out uh, to you, uh, Kelly. And uh, those, if you'd like to call in, call us 347 347- Nine four five seven four two eight. I'll push the one on the number dial. We'll get you into the show. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, hello everybody, and uh, greetings from Siskiyou County, California. Everybody here is enjoying the nice aromatic flavor of uh, new smoke, and the smoke is composed of 
sugar pine and dug fir and some manzanita plus some oak. <laughs> and uh, we're having forest fires, so I'm telling you, everybody's smoking. It's so bad. This morning I went into Wairika, it's the county seat. And the Klamath River's not not even a half mile down. I couldn't see the river. The smoke was so bad. And um, so, yeah, of course we're ignored because Houston is getting a bunch of rain. Like 35 people died, I guess, out of mayor's blunder to not evacuate. It would have been nice if we could have had some of their rain. But anyway, um, let's see. The deep state is something very interesting. And today while I was working on some gold mining stuff, I was uh, listening to Kevin Shipp, H-I-P-P. He was the former CIA, and he's uh, a whistleblower. And he's at great peril to himself doing this because they will drum up charges and put people away under the national security. If you've worked, you sign a non-disclosure agreement. And they have so many ways past Tuesday to shut up whistleblowers when you work with CIA. And he was explaining uh, in great detail, and you can YouTube it. Um, you can YouTube Kevin Ship and he's a number of YouTube videos, but he explains how deep it goes. Um, the CIA gets a lot of funding. It was created by Truman in 48, and then in like 51 or 2, he was very – Truman was very concerned that somehow this got out of control. But they're using um, our – our money. They are um, getting money from Congress every year, and Congress wants to know, well, what's in the budget? What do you need? Oh, that's an issue of national security. And yet, at the same time, people like John McCain are in on it, the military-industrial complex, plus the um, intelligence-industrial complex. And through the CIA, there's contracts with, I believe, over 500 contractors, and there are millions and millions of Americans hired by these companies. Of course, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. They just have a job. They don't see the big picture. When they've signed, you know, they have clearances. Um, so it's a, a fascinating um, situation where, look, the people didn't vote to fund these programs, didn't fund to do this, and didn't fund, didn't vote to fund that. And Trump over in Syria has decided to stop funding uh, weapons to the moderate Syrian rebels, which are basically ISIS. And Trump did that in, uh, I think, early August, and the deep state's not happy with that. Yet at the same time, um, Gorkin has resigned, and I read his uh, resignation letter. That's something we ought to go through, and not now. I want to let somebody else speak. But it's a little bit frightening when you have an insider from the CAA explain, here's what's really going on. Uh, Congressman or no, Definitely, if you, got, if you got it, take the time to read it. We're fine. Oh, the Gorkin letter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I have to look it up. I, it's not on my phone right now, but I'll look it up. Okay. But what Kevin Schiff was explaining is, oh, my gosh. When you watch his video, you'll see how deeply entrenched and funded under secrecy, and the whistleblowers are basically shut up or their lives are destroyed or they're killed. It's like this is an incredible internal battle. Incredible. All this money going where? What's doing? Who's doing it with what? And we don't know. And oh, we get whistleblowers. Oh, they don't want to end up dead. And so Trump has got a monumental task. And I'm beginning to wonder. You know, there's some inconsistencies with Trump. Um, that I'm like, we're going to send more troops to Afghanistan. Did you pledge against that? 
be able to get rid of TPP. He stopped the funding of ISIS in, in Syria. Um, he's done a number of good things, bringing businesses back. And and so they, they do not like him, obviously. And so um, uh, you just got to watch one of these videos, and, and you'll understand what a deep internal war it is against a deep state. I mean, I, I knew about this, but I didn't really know about it. I didn't know how deep it goes. And whoever strategized to do this, um, they're a freaking brilliant strategist. And I'm getting to wonder if we've lost our country already. I'm getting to wonder sometimes if, if they've put Trump's thumbs into a vice. Um, and so that's just kind of really concerning. Um, you know, if we can get Kevin Chip on the show, that would be absolutely stunning to see what a struggle Trump's up against. But I want to go ahead and let somebody it's, maybe that's a short hello, and then I'll look up uh, Gorka's resignation letter. I'll read it. It's got some very concerning things in it. But yeah, I'll just turn it over to you, Robert, for now. Kevin Chip, or ship? S H, yeah, like a sailing ship with two P's. Right. Well, as I said, we're going to bring things back around uh, on your comments, so we'll, we'll go ahead and, and get your take, Dr. Tolbert, and then Susan and John. Uh, but, you know, you, you've heard the article. You've heard his, uh, Kelly's thoughts. What do you think, Dr. Tolbert? I think we go back to what we've been talking all along about Sawyers. You know, George Sawyers has been the one undermining that he was part of Rubio getting into office. He was part of all the demonstration. He's the money behind uh, Black Lives Matter. He's behind the monuments, uh, the racial division in America. Uh, everything that you read in the article is nothing but reinforcement of articles that's been going on. And it all goes down to the fact, why are we not having an FBI investigation of Sawyer's and why has he not? And there's been articles uh, and, and petitions placed that he should lose his citizenship and be sent out of the country. So everything that is being said here is being uh, sponsored by one individual who has funding from the multinationals to include the UN, the Pope, the Illuminati's, the Jesuits, and all the money from all these different elements. So if you're going to close the door, you need to close the door first on that one person, and that means that everybody else will fade away. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Wow. Well, and... uh... What do you think, uh, Susan? We'd like to hear from you. you still with okay. us there? There you All go. Right. There you go. I don't know. I don't always understand the name Deep State because I've globalists and New World Order, which the Birchers coined. Um, for they still use that the terminology, um, and that includes many groups. From, you know, you forget there's the CFR and the, uh, there's so many groups out there. Illuminati, uh, yes. Um, the Bilderbergers, all of them, you know. And so what, I'm not sure what the deep state means, unless it's just a few ruthless people, but there's more than a few. Trust me on that one. And um, I was going to say something about Dr. Michael Savage that he has been going at this for 25 years 
to save our borders, language, and culture. And um, he championed Trump, in fact, uh, to uh, and a lot of his listeners helped in electing uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and he, he, he point blank said that Mr. Trump faces rec- <clears throat> relentless opposition from special interests in both parties who stand to lose trillions if Trump's America First policies become the law of the land. Not only will Trump have to overcome progressive ideologies and neoconservative ventriloquists connected corporate interests, military-industrial complex went on permanent war. He will have to fight progressive beliefs even he and his otherwise conservative appointees have unwittingly accepted. So um, he, I think he's warning him that there, there is going to be problems ahead and he has to, you know, he has to fight it. And I don't know whether Trump will listen to him or not. He listened to him when he was running, but um, he's a good person to listen to, you know, so... I wish Phyllis Shafley were alive because he was friends with her and she helped steer Mr. Trump in any direction that he might get off the railroad tracks on. But um, at this point, I know he's under a big pole of uh, pressure. I know that. So uh, I don't don't know. It's all really sad because it shouldn't be a... A hassle. If people had just listened to the Birchers way back in the late, uh, you know, well, the they, 1960 was, they started even before then, Robert Welch did. And we wouldn't be in this predicament, but everybody made fun of us. So, you know, they, they, they didn't take the warnings. They didn't heed it. You know, the watchmen were there telling them what was going to happen and threw them off. So now they're paying the price, so to speak. And... I feel bad about it, but, you know, what are you going to do when when people don't listen? You know, they have to live with the consequences, and unfortunately, those of us that warn them have to live with those same consequences. So, Hey, Robert. Yes, I'm here. I got uh, Sebastian Gorka's uh, White House resignation letter. It's on Breitbart. And it's it, uh, it's a short intro, actually, and then we get into his letter. Um, I probably ought to communicate a little bit more about Gorka. Gorka is a p- professor of, like, Islamic studies or something. He's an American, and he uh, obviously doesn't favor radical jihads or radical is- Islam um, terrorist behavior. Um, so he was picked uh, by Trump. Um, so that that's his background. <clears throat> he obviously... Uh, knows what's really going on with the deep state, et cetera. <clears throat> but here's what Breitbart wrote. Um, in full, Dr. Sebastian Gorka's explosive White House resignation letter. And goes into <clears throat> Dr. Sebastian Gorka, who since January has served as deputy assistant to President Donald Trump, resigned from the White House administration on Friday evening, saying it is clear to me that forces that do not support the MAGA promise are for now ascend, ascending within the White House. Now, of course, MAGA stands for Make America Great Again. Okay, so he, his letter keeps bringing up MAGA, that's Make America Great Again. Here's the full copy of his resignation letter. <clears throat> 
Dear Mr. President, it has been my high honor to serve in the White House as one of your deputy assistants and strategists. In the last 30 years, our great nation, and especially our political media and educational elites, have strayed so far from the principles of our republic's founding that we face a grim and godless future. Your victory last November was truly a Hail Mary pass on the way to reestablish America from the eternal values enshrined in our Constitution and Declaration of Independence. It is, therefore, all the more difficult for me to tender my resignation with this letter. Your presidency will prove to be one of the most significant events in modern American politics. November the 8th was the result of decades during which the political and media elites felt that they knew better than the people who elected them into office. They do not, and the MAGA platform allowed their voices, their voices finally to be heard. Regrettably, outside of myself, the individuals who most embodied and represented the policies that will make America great again have been internally countered, systematically removed, or undermined in recent months. This was made patently obvious as I read the text of your speech on Afghanistan this week. <clears throat> the fact that those who drafted and approved the speech removed any mention of radical Islam or radical Islamic terrorism proves that a crucial element of your presidential campaign has been lost. Just as worrying when discussing our future actions in the region, the speech listed operational objectives without ever defining the strategic victory conditions we are fighting for. This omission should seriously disturb any national security professional and any American who is unsatisfied with the last 16 years of disastrous policy decisions which have led to thousands of Americans killed and trillions of taxpayer dollars spent in ways that have not brought security or victory. America is an incredibly resilient nation, the greatest on God's earth. If it were not so, we could not have survived through the unbelievable divisive years of the Obama administration, nor witness your message to roundly defeat a candidate who significantly outspent you and had the fake news industrial complex 100% on her side. Nevertheless, given recent events, it is clear to me that forces that do not support the MAGA promise are, for now, ascendant within the White House. As a result, the best and most effective way I can support you, Mr. President, is from outside the People's House. Millions of Americans believe in the vision of making America great again. They will help eventually rebalance this unfortunate temporary reality. Despite the historically unprecedented and scandalous treatment you have received at the hand of those within the establishment and mainstream media, who perennially see America as a problem and who wish to re-engineer our nation in their, their own ideological image, I know you will stay the course for the sake of all American citizens. Then, when we first met in your office in New York in the summer of 2015, it was instantly clear that you love the Republic and will, and will never give up once you have committed yourself to victory. When it comes to our vital national security interests, your leadership guarantees that radical Islamic terrorism will be obliterated, that the threat of a nuclear Iran will be neutralized, and that the hegemonic ambitions of communist China will be robust, robustly countered. 
And I, I'm sorry, I and like-minded compatriots will be working on the outside to support you and your official team as we return America to its rightful and glorious place as the shining city upon a hill. God bless America. In gratitude, Sebastian Gorkin. Well, and there you have it, folks. Um, man, it was, I, I really wish people, though, like himself, I mean, they, they say that, you know, that they would be better off. Just, I mean, I wasn't a real, I, at first I wasn't a big fan of Bannon, for instance, and, you know, and I really didn't start coming to a, more of a liking to him until the end of him, him being in the Trump administration. Uh, but Trump needs these type of people, I think. Uh, 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 surrounding him, I think right now he has so many people who are part of the deep state, you know, or at, or at the very worst, and you know, at the very least, you know, part of the Republican establishment. Uh, he really doesn't give a damn. Uh, I, I think he needs to surround himself with more people like that. And unfortunately, I mean, they're they're leaving. I feel like you know because they see what what he's up against inside, and I guess they feel like. You know, they could do better, as he stated in his letter of resignation, you know, do better on, on the – but I don't know. I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, John, what, what, what do you think on that? You kind of played right into my hand on this. I think part of what – this is just my opinion. Like everything else I say, just take it with a grain of salt. But I think part of the – which I was sad to hear that um, uh, Banyan – what's his name? Bannon. Yeah, Bannon and um, Gorka were leaving because, to me, they were part of the crew that was helping holding this all together. But I, think part, I think part of what's going on, too, is that because so many people that voted for Trump, whether they liked him or not, myself included, um, too many of us have got comfortable just not calling our congressman and senator and telling them how we feel about things. So, therefore, if we can organize ourselves, and maybe that's what Bannon and Gork is going to do, help organize we the people to just flood the phones and flood all the town halls to overwhelm them to the point that they have no other choice but to do our will. Otherwise, the corporate globalists are going to win. Now, before I forget something, I do want to say, you know, all this stuff going on, all the rain and stuff going on down there in Texas and stuff, I'm just surprised all these water companies with these big tanker trucks, why aren't they backed up siphoning all that water and taking it to California? You know, that would help out a lot right there. But um, back You to know, the and let me interject real quick, John. John I know, and I don't like doing this, you know, but I'm, I'm just real quick, and then I'll bring it back to you. I, you know, I was kind of saying something the other night when they talk about all this rain. I'm like, you know, there's talk about all, you know, droughts and this and that. And it's like, you know what? Get yourself a big-ass tanker, park it on the coast of you know, oil tanker, all cleaned out and everything, uh, or water tanker, park the thing outside. I mean, I heard there was trillions of gallons of water, you know, dumped on on Houston. Put out some big-ass vats, excuse my French, but, you know, I mean, or, or these, these tankers, and have the rain fill these things up with water. I'm sure you could purify it. And then, yeah, send it to places like California, these states where they're saying they're having trouble with water. Go ahead, Justin. 
Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was thinking is, hey, get about two or 300 of them puppies down there sucking up this stuff and then filter it, you know, as best they can to make sure they can use it on the crops in California, if not use it for drinking water. They at least purify it where it's clean, you know, so that way it won't toxify the plants and land and stuff, and they can help that part, and then they can, you know, use the regular drinking water for drinking. But anyway, that was just a food for thought, so if anybody gets this uh, is listening to this show or gets this podcast at a later point and you know some water tank companies or whatnot, give them a call and let them know. Get on the ball. Get your tanker down there in Houston, siphon that stuff up, get that water out of these people's house as soon as possible and truck it out to California and help our farmers and agriculture out there. But um, to get back on the show, uh, as far as the topic, you know, with them, what we were talking about, I appreciate Kelly bringing up this article and talking about the deep state these are all you know this has been an invasion for a long time coming because a lot of these people realized back in even in the 60s and 50s that they had to go little by little and get people in positions of power and then they could hire other people or appoint them into more positions of power so it's been a, a long invasion with these interloping insurrectionists that are trying to destroy us from the inside out and the enemy they don't need us to trust them you know like falsely trust them all they care about is us distrusting each other because as long as they can keep us distrusting each other they can continue to manipulate the system to win because when we second guess each other and don't know who's the crook and who's the foe, you know, on our side, we don't know how to get the right people in office. Whereas they have their little minion backdoor parties in all different parts of the country. Because, like um, Kelly was stating in the article, most of these people are connected to the big money bankers and and stuff that can, has special privileges with the Federal Reserve. You know, they get to go get, you know, um, money at the discount window on 0% interest or quarter percent interest, and you and I don't get that same uh, privilege and immunity. You know, Article 4, Section 2 of the United States Constitution, all us citizens of the several states should have the same privileges and immunities. Well, hey, I'd like to go get some zero point two, five, whatever percent money and use it to, you know, corral my privileges and stuff that I want to work through government so I can manipulate people. I mean, that's why we got to make the rules and laws and processes and procedures stand up to the scrutiny that if Adolf Hitler worked in every position of government, city, county, state, and federal, then we, the people, would still get our work will be done, enacted, codified, and ratified Otherwise, even the special, I mean, you think the Congress and the senators and these people in these bureaucratic offices are making, you know, $175,000, $200,000 a year, you'd think they'd be comfortable. But many of them go out and, and leverage their debt to the point that, man, if anything hiccups, they're in the dire straits monetarily, and the big wigs in this deep state oligarchy, they understand that, and they take advantage of that, and that's why they like these congressmen going out and spending millions of dollars of money that they don't have in a mortgage, and then they can use that against them. And then they go use fake news to make them look like crooks, so then they can blackmail them to say, hey, you're going to do my bidding, otherwise we're going to you know, do you this way, and then you'll lose your house and everything else. Well, we 
we've got to figure out that the divide and conquer happens right after the election. Because once the crooks get into office and they get to encumber and burden us against our will without our consent, we've already lost. Because no matter what, they're always going to have the monetary resources and the other means of resources when they have that kind of big money to manipulate the system to get their little minion in office. And if they don't get their little minion in office, whoever does get in office, within reason they're going to be able to control them. Even Trump right now, how many more billionaires are willing to do what Trump did to get in office? Well, even now that Trump's in the office, like I said a number of shows back, they just hang it over his head. Hey, you got properties all over the world. You got children and different family members. We're going to manipulate them and manipulate your properties and you either do what we say and you know, go along to get along and manipulate, you know, the uh kind of deception tricks for the we the people. Otherwise you ain't gonna have a life once you get out of office. But anyway, I appreciate What's going, what you guys are talking about, all this is very important. We just need to make sure more citizens of the United States get involved and understand because even the globalists are going to lose if they push this thing to the wrong way because just like the founding fathers, they fought for freedom. There's a whole lot of freedom fighters in America that's still right now not willing to bear arms to go to that extent because they're hoping that there's a diplomatic process that we can use that these people will wake up come to their senses, but if it don't happen that way, believe me, there's plenty of people in this country that's willing to put their life on the line because they still believe in the Declaration of Independence, mutually pledging their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor to the principles of what it stood for. Back to you. And uh, Dr. Tolbert, he had to go for the night, but uh, he wants to wish as well for everyone. As he sent me an article, and I'm going to go ahead and read that, and then what I'm going to do is I'll uh, post it later uh, onto the Bard's Logic Political Talk uh, page there on Facebook. And for those of you who are Facebook users and you are uh, wanting to look at these articles on the show, uh, give us uh, – or just put in the search engine the Bard's Logic Political Talk, and you'll be able to uh, access those and uh, you'll be able to read along or, you know, with the show, or if you're listening especially to the podcast, uh, you can find it there. So I'm going to go ahead and place that there for folks uh, can see uh, later on uh, in the show. And this is, again, this is an article that was sent to me uh, from uh, – Dr. Tolbert, I was reading there, so sorry about the pause. Uh, but anyway, it says, uh, disturbing report. Who makes – and this is online with what you were talking about uh, with that resignation. Okay. Um, Kelly says, uh, disturbing report. Who makes the president's decisions? And this is actually on the independent uh, sentinel.com. Uh, it says here um, – There we go. What about that? So Sebastian Gorka has resigned from his post in the White House, and within an hour of the public report of his resignation, an email was sent around putting him on the do not admit list in the White House, which might be routine. Gorka is now speaking out not against the president, but against the bureaucrats and policymakers who are defining his presidency 
and what for many of us will be a very troubling will be very troubling if true. President Trump is strong and seems intent on his fulfilling his promises, but he is surrounded by a lot of advisors who aren't of the same mind. Former deputy assistant to the president, Sebastian Gorka, resigned last week shortly after Steve Bannon resigned and several security experts were forced out. In an article for the Free Beacon, he describes a White House cabinet and advisors who do not even discuss the president's agenda. They go their own way. Uh, The bureaucrats and policymakers are opposing and contradicting the president's agenda. Gorka uh, is specifically referring to a tougher policies on terrorism and new approaches to countering Chinese economic warfare. He resigned because the threat of Sunni and Shia radical Islam te- Islamic terrorism, ending the Iran deal, recognizing the threat of the Muslim Brotherhood, dealing with China's theft of intellectual property, addressing Qatar's terrorism are not part of the National Security Council thinking and planning. Mr. Gorka said, and the real believers, the real mega fighters inside the building were being progressively boxed out or fired from the National Security Council, which was even more disturbing. Opposition says he came from the permanent state of establishment bureaucrats and policymakers. Gorka is now on the do not admit list in the White House. Ten Times reported former presidential deputy assistant Sebastian Gorka is no longer welcome in the White House, according to internal Secret Service emails obtained by MSNBC. Obtained by MSNBC. As we said, we don't know if this is routine. Chief of Staff Kelly was hired to do exactly this. Over an hour before the Federalist broke the report Gorka resigned, there was already an order from the White House security system not to let Gorka into the building. NBC host Chris Hayes reported Monday evening. It says the most troubling aspect of uh, – I'm sorry. Let me scroll down. It says the most troubling aspect of working in the White House – for Mr. Gorka was not uh, was that no one was interested or even in even discussing the president's agenda. If you ask me, kind of what the big take home is from working at that kind of level inside the government, the most disturbing thing I found is not just the lack of commitment to the president's vision from political appointees that came in to serve the president as commissioned officers or as cabinet members. He said, "The real moment when he uh, when the scale fell from my eyes." is when after I'd been to numerous National Security Council meetings, I wasn't a member of the National Security Council, but I was invited to various key meetings. And you sit there for an hour or an hour and a half listening as you go around to the various outstation states, CIA, DIA, uh, the Pentagon, all the arms of the interagency. And you listen for an hour and a half, and nobody, not one participant, would mention the president or what the president said or what the president's mission was. He continually had to remind the participants that the pre- what the president wanted. These officials are supposed to serve, not take over, no matter how benevolent their motives. Gorka continued, I do not like the phrase deep state, okay, but it was definitely a permanent state that is far too many instances believes that they represent the American people when they were never elected to office and when they actually served the White House and not the other way around. 
The mission he had upon entering the White House was to deal with the very serious threat, radical jihadism, including that of Iran, declaring the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization, dealing with Arab pressure in Qatar, and addressing China's massive theft of intellectual property of U.S. companies. The the bureaucrats in the White House are fiercely fighting those efforts. When he left, the president told Gorka he will stick to his agenda, and Gorka promised to support the president. The problem is H.R. McMaster is still in place along with all of Obama's holdovers. It's hard to understand why Gary Cohn and Rex Tillerson are still in their positions. Both have portrayed him in public, and Tillers is not following the president's agenda. Former U.N. Ambassador John Bolton, who used to visit the White House regularly, is no longer allowed to see the president. Bolton has taken to the media to write articles about why we must not continue to certify the Iran deal in the hope that president will see them. John McCain, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Mitch McConnell, to some degree Paul Ryan, are not working to follow the president's agenda. They are putting roadblocks in the way of health care repeal, a wall, tax reform, funding Planned Parenthood, cutting government, and putting forth a budget. There's also the troubling report that 30,000 more soldiers uh, are going to Afghanistan. The tide likely will turn. The employees have taken the employees have taken over the government. So that, folks, again, you can find that article on the Bard's Logic uh, political talk uh, page there on Facebook. And if you haven't already liked the page, I would appreciate if you did so. So, and unfortunately, this is kind of what I thought was going on uh, with his cabinet. Why he picked them? Why he's there? Perhaps he thought since they have the experience uh, that they would. You know, know what they're doing. I don't know. I've got no idea uh, why Trump has picked some of the people that he has. I mean, when he picked Rince Pubis, I mean Rince Priebus, <clears throat> you know, to be the his chief of staff was. I think you know, if Gingrich wasn't going to be his his VP, and we've talked about why that, why I think that isn't on subsequent shows. Um, but why went Rince Pubis uh, on? Is a chief of staff, and I think Gingrich would have been good as well. He, for some reason, and the thing that pisses me off, and we're not in Bard's logic after dark yet, but for me to say that, but the thing that makes me mad is Trump himself has said, you know, when Gingrich was pulling for him, that hey, this guy's going to find a place in my uh, in my administration, and that's and that there's a promise that's yet to be fulfilled. I remember hearing it with my very own ears when him and uh, Gingrich were in Cincinnati. Ohio when he said that during one of his rallies. So I'm kind of missed, uh, kind of missed about that. But anyway, uh, Susan, we'll go ahead and go ahead. I was just going to ask if I could comment on that real quick because it's pertinent to what you just said. Yeah, go ahead and we'll bring in Susan comments and then uh, yourself, uh, Kelly, and then we do have some other callers on the line. Push one in the number dial if you like uh, to get in. Go ahead, John. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, and I think we kind of touched on this in in a previous show, is that Trump may have realized because of all the never-Trumpers at the point in time that we were going through the campaign with the Republicans, that if he at least got um, Reince Priebus and and, uh, 
John Spicer on his team, then he could get all the Trump no never Trumpers on his side for the to seal the election. And then, you know, depending on w- once they were in office, if they continued to toe the line, then he might have kept them. But since they didn't toe the line, he started getting rid of them. But in another sense, from your standpoint, maybe he should have found different spots for them. Maybe those particular positions weren't really the good positions for those people if he wanted to really seal the never-Trumpers. You see what I mean? Well, I think I think his deal of getting Pence in there is like got rid of the Never Trumpers. I think that that's how that turned that ended up turning out. But uh, oh, combination of all of the above. Yeah, very very well. It's uh, a lot going on there. Uh, so what, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Susan. What what's your thoughts on that? Oh, um, are we talking about? Non-Trumpers versus Trumpers, <laughs> sort of, or are we just whatever? Just, I, I mean, know it's, it sounds just, like the bureaucracy. Where, where what Trump was saying, we need to drain. It's the, the sounds like the bureaucracy still rules. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, but hey, listen to this. You will find this interesting. August thirty, the Washington Times. Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein stunned the San Francisco crowd when she called for patience with President Trump, saying the president can do good for the country if he learns from his mistakes. This man is going to be president more likely the rest of his term. I hope he has the ability to learn and change. If he does, he can be a good president. The crowd reacted to the comments with a stunned silence broken with scattered nose and a few hisses and nervous laughter. I I don't even know what to make of it. I don't. I mean, is she a Trumper now, or what is she? (laughs) Oh no. Well, you know what? I think that's a great segue to, you know, and I know we're full of articles tonight, but I think that's a great way to uh, a great segue. And I was going to wait till the top of the hour because, you know, to go into that topic. But I think that's a, you know, a good one for for our next one. And it's an article, Cindy. Todd sent us uh, or sent me, and you know, definitely going to be in the third part of the show. But let's go ahead and do it now. And with with them talking about apologizing, I bring it up because they do mention that in this article. And uh, again, this is uh, this is one that you could find. Also, I have posted on the Bard's Logic Political Talk uh, page there on Facebook. Uh, so you know, go, you can access it from there as well as if you haven't already. Uh, but this is the never the never ending liberal bait and switch. Okay, this is in Town Hall by John Hawkins. It says, although a donkey fits the Democrat Party well as a mascot, a shifting goalpost would work even better. With liberals, it's almost always a bait and switch. Take the Confederate flag, for example. Back in 2015, liberals demanded that the Confederate flag be taken down because Dylan Roof had a picture of one of his fa- on one of his Facebook page, most Republicans, even Southern Republicans, didn't care all that much about the Confederate flag. So in South Carolina, for example, Republicans voluntarily removed the, the Confederate flag, sign of weakness, as we know about the Republican Party. And also, then it goes, that's what liberals wanted, right? 
so that uh, that was it. Now, that was the start of the bait and switch. The Dukes, and I used to watch the show as a kid. The Dukes of Hazard, this is ridiculous, was taken off the air. Confederate flags were ripped down. There were liberals who said that waving a Confederate flag should be considered a hate crime, and Southerners in general were attacked as racist. When then people who protested this stupidity were labeled as bigots, such as myself. But anyway, so next the, le- the left moved on to statues. Liberals demanded that the statues be taken down and began to vandalize them, which cops aren't really seem to be stopping them from doing. Uh, now they are taking it further. In fact, the left has gotten so hysterical about the subject that ESPN pulled an Asian broadcaster by name of Robert Lee off of, oh my gosh, they're, they're going to try to make me change my name. They're going to try to take me off air and make me change my name. My name is Robert Lee. Robert Lee Jeff. Oh. So I have, I have to change trouble. my name. I'm named after my, I'm named after my father, whether he was named after Robert Lee Lee or not. I don't know. I actually think he may have been. However, I guess for me to be able to stay on the air, folks, I have to change my name. But I won't do that, so to hell with them. But anyway, so it says, uh, Asian browser by name of Robert Lee, his last name's Lee, I'm presuming, of a University of Virginia game because there was controversy over the Robert E. Lee statue. Now, uh, now we begin a fight over taking down the hundreds and hundreds of Confederate mon- monuments across the country. You know, I'm going to Segway, not say well. I'm going to divert a little bit, but it's still relevant. As you, uh, some of you well know, especially long-term listeners, uh, that I took a much-needed uh, R&R trip uh, last uh, last week, and we're just supposed to just go out to Nebraska to see the uh, eclipse. However, since my brother informed me that we were only four-hour drive, eh, four and a half uh, away from uh, the I have a brain freeze there, Mount Rushmore. And then we thought, you know what, let's go ahead and take a little detour trip. <laughs> it ended up turning to be longer. But anyway, a detour trip to see Rush, you know, Mount Rushmore. And I can't imagine how, fast, how, how long it's going to be, probably not long, before they're going to start uh, declaring that we need to chisel that down or something. But anyway, <clears throat> or, 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 blast it, or blast it down, you know, at some point. So maybe it's a good thing I've seen it because, you know, it's maybe uh, – by this time next year, there will not be a Mount Rushmore. But anyway, uh, that little sidestep there. But now since after that, and yes, this is part has already started, the battle will be over renaming buildings and streets. Liberals in Memphis literally dug up the grave of Nathan Forrest and his wife. So even removing the corpses of Confederate soldiers isn't off the table. But that's it, right? Wrong. On my Twitter account, not my Twitter account, but the one in the article. What liberals say, liberals in their own words, you'll see that New York in discussing tearing down a statue of Columbus and even Grant's tomb. Meanwhile, liberals in Baltimore took a sledgehammer to a Christopher Columbus monument, and even Al Sharpton came out against the Thomas Jefferson Memorial. So you may think you're arguing about the Confederate flag, or the statue of Robert E. Lee, but liberals are also really arguing about memorials to Columbus, Grant, Jefferson, Washington, Lincoln, you name it. 
Furthermore, not only are you never really arguing about what you think you're arguing about with a liberal, liberals will paint you as evil for continuing to support something they were backing five minutes ago. Yeah. How many liberals did you hear demanding gay marriage 20 years ago? Almost none. Then the second Barack Obama changed his mind about it, everyone who disagreed with gay marriage became a gay-hating homophobe. Did you notice the shocking speed with which we moved from liberals can never demand that women share bathrooms with men? That's crazy to anyone who doesn't support men and women in the same bathroom is transphobic. Along similar lines, condemning whatever liberals want you to condemn to try to win favor with them is pointless. Go ahead and support their call to take down Confederate monuments. Do that, and they'll then demand that you oppose any sort of effort to prevent voter fraud. Agree to that, and they'll insist that you admit that you're a fascist by default since you're white. Go along with that, and they'll say you have to vote for whatever tyrannical socialist they run in 2020 because uh, to be a good person. And finally, if you say that there's a bridge, that's a bridge too far, they'll say, ha, knew it. You're just another one of those white supremacist Republicans. There's a no win-win to be had. There's no honest debate. There's only a bait-and-switch designed to elevate liberals at everyone else's expense. Uh, so let me also note that I am not against apologizing when you are wrong, See, as you pointed this out, Susan. It's the right thing to do, except when you're dealing with liberals, never apologize to liberals. But if you are 100% wrong, still don't apologize. Why? Because liberals don't view apologies like normal human beings. They view even the most sincere apology from a non-liberal as a club they can use to beat you. If you get in the crosshairs of some mob of social justice warriors, you're a fool if you think that they will let you be because you were big enough to admit you were wrong. To the contrary, they will demand that you be fired, that you be scorned, that no good person could ever have anything to do with you again, and they will point to your own apology as absolute proof they're right. Other times, the liberal bait-and-switch is more insidious. Remember how it worked with Obamacare. Democrats promised Obamacare would dramatically cut the cost of health, that people could keep their doctors and plans if they liked them, and everything was going to be wonderful, amazing, and better in every way. Of course, none of that turned out to be true. Later, after trying to blame the failures of Obamacare Republicans, liberals admitted that they had to lie to get the bill passed and said we, should be all, we all should be grateful that they did. Besides, everyone knew they were lying, right? Now that the, that the system that they promised would be the best thing ever is falling to pieces, their solution is single-payer health care, which coincidentally turns out to be why many Republicans said they were trying to do all along. According to Republicans, the idea was to was to design a plan that would fail so well the plan to fail so they could try to do a full government takeover. That might sound a bit conspiratorial, except it turns out that exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, going along with a bad liberal idea almost invariably inevitably turns out to be a setup or, or justification for even worse liberal down, ideas down the road. And then it just has one more paragraph. But anyway. I think that's pretty, uh, pretty online, uh, pretty succinct what's going on, and I think uh, that actually ties well in with the previous article that we had uh, about you know, what the, the, the deep state is trying to do 
and you know in the in the first stage of the re- the re- revolution in controlling the narrative uh, of you know what we talk about here you know how little they're manipulating the narrative of uh, American culture. What do you say, Kelly? Oh, I'm sorry, I was on mute. Um, oh boy, control the narrative. That's what the terms like that word control. Control the narrative means yeah, okay, there's someone who's going to try to control me. Um, yeah, this division is a really concern, and I, I guess I want to start with a question about the North Carolina statue teardown thing. Um, why don't you guys just go to city council? Why don't you pack the city council's chambers when they're having their weekly meeting? Just pack it with a whole bunch of folk and say, hey, we'd like the permission to tear this down, take a vote. No, no, they just had to get violent. You know, um, in my Rica, we had a um, Antifa or Antifa, the feminine name. It sounds a little nicer. Antifa. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Degraded the park. Yeah. Degraded the park with uh, all sorts of, uh, um, they spray painted all of the one, one building, Nazis must die, racists die. Signed Antifa, they, they, a number of locations that they did this. I was like, really? I see. Um, graffiti. I'm like, wait a minute here. Somebody hasn't done their homework. In Siskiyou County, California, we're the first county in all of California, the first county to elect a black sheriff. Hello. And many people dearly love him. So they, yeah, I mean, I was like, hmm, really? You're going to call us racist when we're the, we did a first in all of California? Yeah. Well, next thing you know, they're going to call me a Nazi. Oh, really? No, I can't because I'm I'm not socialist. Oh, what? National Socialist Party. Nazi Germany. I can't be a Nazi. Yeah, people lose sight of that, don't they? Yeah, I was like, this doesn't make sense, folks. I mean, well, you're still because you're blah, 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 you're a racist, you're a Nazi. Really? Really. And now I'm getting offended. I had several uncles fight in World War II on the American side. I had one uncle, he was a bombardier in a B-24. Shrapnel took, uh, went across his nose into his eye. He lost his eyesight. He almost bled to death. He told me, even he said, even to this day, I don't remember if those bombs got dropped off. Um, that was a big sacrifice. Um, another family friend, he almost died fighting the Germans. They ran out of ammo and got cornered. And last second, they found some explosives and were able to get out of there. Um, so, oh, okay, well, you're not, maybe you're not a Nazi, but you don't like the black folk. Really? My great-great-grandfather something um, from either Iowa or Minnesota. we got relatives on both sides of the southern border of Minnesota. He had a 50 caliber bullet in his hip from fighting the Civil War. And he had to go home and run a plow with that and provide for his family. That was an incredible cost to free some folks' uh, black ass. I mean, come on. Oh, you're racist. Really? How do you know that? Why don't you ask a whole bunch of black folks that are my friends? Ask them if I'm racist. It's like, I, I just, I don't get this. I don't understand. Oh, well, you're a Jew hater. Yeah, okay, I come from a long line of Jewish hog farmers. 
You know, Mordecai is a pen name. Kelly's a Mordecai. Mordecai, I picked a Jewish name. Well, I, 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 I said, come on. And what's frustrating, Robert, is why do I have to prove something I'm not? I shouldn't have to be, I mean, you know, in this country, you're what? Innocent until proven guilty. What a concept. Um, I don't know why these people continue this. I don't, and I'm tired of having to defend myself uh, from accusations of something I'm not. I guess I'm trying to put in words that other people are feeling, because maybe I'm sure most of the listeners have that feeling, too, of uh, false accusations and having to prove what they're not. I mean, I guess I'd like to hear it from other people. Oh, no, that no, that happens all the time. <laughs> that happens all the time, you know, certainly. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's their ploy. I mean, that's the liberal ploy. Is, is to always put you on the defensive, I and mean, that's you know part and parcel uh, to you know our last our last article. And uh, folks, I uh, do have to do a programming note. In about a minute and a half, uh, the audio for those listening not called in uh, will cut. Now, of course, as we know, the show will still continue into the third hour, which is our stenetic period, or what we sometimes lovingly call. Bard's Logic After Dark. Uh, but if you haven't called in already, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you like to get in the show, push the one on your number dial, and we'll get you on the show. And then also make sure that you are on the line. Uh, make sure that your phones are charged, because unfortunately, if you do get cut off, we will not be able to uh, get you back in. Uh, and so if you uh, do see some callers on, push the one on your number dial. If you uh, want to chime in with uh, any of our topics this evening, and of course uh, everything uh, here on out, because we are about in about 30 seconds going to be, and our extended period will also be a part of our podcast, which of course uh, you could download to uh, your mobile devices. Uh, check out uh, Bard's Logic on iTunes; uh, should be there as well, or we could get the links uh, there. And also check out uh, on Facebook. Uh, that's where. I don't do much Facebooking, but I do share uh, things out on the show, and we do have uh, the Bard's Logic Local Talk uh, page there on Facebook. Uh, so check that out as well. And, again, if you'd like to get on, just push the one on your number dial, and uh, we will get you into the show. Uh, and so let's go ahead and bring it back uh, to you, Kelly. And then uh, we've got some others to the state on the line. Uh, we'll uh, get you in when you're re- uh, ready to come. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I forgot one more act. Oh, you're a Christian. Uh, you must be a Nazi. Okay, folks. Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Nazi Germany who was snug, uh, smuggling out Jews and keeping them alive, and he was hung by the Nazis for doing this, like like 10 days before the war was over. It's like, it's, okay. Anybody who wants to call somebody a Nazi, on the left, okay, if your grandfather is still alive and he fought in World War II, you go up to your grandfather and you call him a Nazi. Oh, my gosh, could you imagine the offense the older generation would have getting called that. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, and then, you know, certainly when we've – I think everyone here, you know, at least on the panels, has had to deal with that. Uh, you know, and it, because if you don't agree with every, uh, you know, liberal aspect of of, you know, of what they they believe in, of course you're either, you know, either a homophobe or you're, you know, a racist or a bigot or a misogynist or you know something of that nature, and 
you know, I'm sure we've all dealt with them. I'm sure we all have, uh, you know, stories of that where we have to, and, and that's, as I said, that's part of their ploy. You know, as part of the, the one article we read is, you know, they're always put the bait and switch. You know, if, if it's not one thing, it's another. And then again, you know, what you go, well, you know, you give them any leeway. And then, of course, they'll take it and, and commodule you, uh, you with that. And so now, you know, as I said, Cindy gave, gave me the article. Maybe we'll be able to uh, hear from her tonight on that. And we will, uh, you know, like to hear from her get, and her take on that. But let's go ahead and bring things around uh, to uh, get some uh, call screening to do. So get, folks will uh, be in the green room for a little bit. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Susan. If you've got any comments that you would like uh, to say on that, and it looks like we again we did enter Bard's Logic after dark, and or the extended period, whichever way you want to call it. Uh, so we do have uh, you know still some time left uh, for our topic. So Susan, if you'd like uh, to continue on with that, and then John, we're going to bring you back in as well, and then we'll we'll bring it uh, back around our roundtable discussion. Go ahead, Susan. Um, I was gone for a um, couple minutes. Um, what were we talking about? Which, now, which Susan, topic? I can't believe that you did that. No, we're ta- we, no, we were talking about, you know, the the liberal ma- – well, one, one point I know you could speak on is the liberal manipulation of the narrative. And we're talking about how, you know, you know it's, it's always something with them. You know, first uh, – as we stated in 2015, it was oh. the tearing down of the Confederate flag. Okay. And now they're talking about the statues. Then I want to re, uh, start building. I mean, I may even have to change my name if I want to stay on the radio because, you know, right. my name's Robert Lee, right? <laughs> you know, for, for so Robert E. Lee. So maybe they would have to I do guess that. I guess you can change it, change it to Lee Robert. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, that's okay. Well, and then the, the, the TV oh. show I watched as a kid, uh, you know, the the Dukes of Hazard because it has the General Lee on it, you know, and it's got the, the Confederate flag on it. You have to uh you know, they, they take it off the air, but go ahead. Uh well I sent you what I thought about it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, I thought that was funny. Uh, yeah, tell you oh, yeah, yeah, what that was, uh folks is send me a uh a medical scale, a picture of a medical scale and, and what look what's the caption? Let me read the caption here. Um Oh, let me see. It's I guess it's a meme or meme, whatever you guys call it, a meme. Yeah. It says, this statue offends me. I want uh, I want it removed, and it's one of those medical scales uh, that was on there. So, uh, it says, like, it, so conservatives and liberals alike were laughing at that. Yeah, they are. I mean, my daughter and son are different from each other, and they were both laughing, and um, I went to the gym today, and uh, I told them, and they nearly died laughing too. <laughs> and everybody's like, "Hey, this is cool." <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to get it to neutral territory, just say we want we want scales removed. One gal said, "Yeah, all they do is take you in and go." <laughs> <laughs> she said, "That's all they do." <laughs> I said, "Yep, that's it." So, you know, you got to put some humor in, and unfortunately, most people don't have any humor. I mean, I was looking today at this little article, um, uh, video. This guy literally had a toilet plunger in his hand. He goes out in the street, you know, where it's flooding there in Texas, 
<laughs> he goes to the remote one and he tried to shoot and first one he just said, See, it's going down, it's going down. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. I mean, out of out of horrible stuff going on, he has to have a sense of humor that the people were just laughing their heads off. I I, I I like that because humor is what humor and food can make people think different, you know, get them off this anger thing so many times. But unfortunately, nobody does that anymore much. So I had to applaud that he was doing that, and then this man came out, and I was just like, this is, this is awesome. I love it. <laughs> so um, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, let's go ahead, and we have the, heard from John uh, on the topic yet, so let's go ahead and bring in John. Go ahead. Yeah, well, um, it kind of in a response with what Kelly was talking about, too. It, you know, so many of these people, whenever they want to get their point across, they've used these tactics to try to manipulate the system, I guess, from Saul Alinsky's ideas. And I'm like, well, hey, look, if you don't care about me and you want to run roughshod over me, then why should anybody else care about you? and just run the rough shot over you. If we aren't going to work together, then how do we, you know, kill our country and move forward in any kind of joy and harmony? But, you know, that falls on deaf ears because some people just are just in that attitude. And at this, also, too, um, Kelly, whenever the different cities around the country have their city councils, not all of them care about doing things right. It's like they'll manipulate the situation where, you know, if you show up with a whole bunch of people, well, they'll like, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to postpone this boat till, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll manipulate <laughs> yeah. it to fall on some funny day or something where they can reword the um, meeting amendment agenda item to make it sound like it's something totally off the wall. And so all the people that were there on that issue – don't really know that's the issue that's coming up at this particular time, and they try to schedule it on a holiday, like a Labor Day or a weekend or whenever people are usually mm-hmm. out, you know, trying to go be with their family. And so it's like we have to fight our, the demons within our own self. Because once, and I'm talking about myself too, because I mean, even though I think myself as being an upstanding statesman because I'm always the one preaching about, you know, mutuality of ascent and working together and stuff. Well, hey, you know, I love NASA. I love all that stuff that it brings to our country. I think it's a worthy thing to spend money on. But I've seen our government spend money on so many other things and manipulate so many other things to root out our right for we the people to self-govern that I had to start denying myself in order to try to right the ship. Otherwise, we all just get stingy, and that's why... I'm saying about, hey, all the laws have to be built on this basis that Adolf Hitler's the one administrating at every level because any one of us could get into powers of position and just get so punch drunk on power that we like to manipulate people in the situation because, you know, it's like Trump. He might, well, any president, they probably go in with a degree, and once they get in there, they realize how hard it is to get people to work together. They just get so frustrated and impatient and decide, well, gee whiz, 
my whole eight years, if I get reelected to both terms, my eight years is going to be over before I get anything done. So they do an end run around type, you know, reconciliation type of trick to get Obamacare implemented and get no votes from the Democrats. Well, gee whiz, the world doesn't revolve around Democrat and Republican. What about all the rest of we, the people that may not really affiliate with one of the two parties? So it's always a divide and conquer strategy. And I'm like, man, these people, if they want to really um, work this thing out, then I have to just ask them, look, if you want to treat me that way, then you've got to expect to be treated that way. And if you don't care about me, why should anybody else care about you and what you want in life? Should we just run roughshod over each other, or are we going to try to work together by mutual sin? Back to you. John, we're going to have to have some day where we just take an entire show for that. But, gosh, it just seems like every week there's always just more and more stuff. Or, you know, well, I wish I had more time to do multiple shows like it was back in the day when I used to be able to do five shows a week. Boy, that was nice. Uh, of course, I wasn't working as much either then <laughs> at the time either. Uh, so uh, be that as it may, you know, because anyway, we'll be, I, I understand the you know, the mutual sense things you're, you're, you're talking about. It's However, just, just, just how how we could how we could get anything done in, in your perspective is, I mean, without everything trying to be a direct. Uh, you know, a referendum on everything, I, which I would love to be able to do. Yeah, I just, a, I just don't think that we have enough time a, to. I'm not talking about it on the show. I'm just thinking, just every day, I don't think we have time to have referendums on everything. Yeah, I agree with you in that respect too. But at the same point, because of where we are in society and the people that we keep listening to during campaign mode lie through their teeth and then get into office and then run roughshod over us. We don't have any choice but to make them accountable to us Because as long as they can lie through their teeth And then when it's up to them to vote They just say to heck with all you constituents We don't care about your position We just let you talk and tell us what you want Because we want you to feel like we care when they don't And as long as we keep allowing that Then they aren't going to live up to the Constitution And they'll just continue to make it look like they're trying to, you know, live up to the Constitution. It's a psychological brainwashing manipulation trick. And that's why, you know, you got to watch out for Google and Facebook and all this new AI they're trying to use for model behavior stuff and just use certain tricks on the Internet when you're doing your surfing to um, manipulate and redirect you to things. Oh, yeah, Google's certainly doing that. I mean, yeah, we even talked about that here on the show. I mean, Google's certainly... Try to find, you know, try to find an article. Let me tell you, and and that's one of the reasons why I recommend folks check out the the website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. You would talk about articles. You want to find some conservative information. That's a place to go because if you, you know, go to the, uh, you know, go to the newsroom, and also you could also see the the Newsmax TV on there. Uh, and I do have a, some updates to do, but anyway, uh, because trying to find a, trying to find articles. You know, especially news and, and you know relevant and, and up to date information on Google, and trying to find a, a conservative perspective on it. Good luck. I mean, you got to go pages and pages and pages through Google uh, to try to find a, a, a any articles or, or opinion pieces on Google with a conservative perspective. I mean, I, that's one of the reasons why I supplied the you know the website you know with the the newsroom on there. We could get you know 
information about, uh, you know, multiple topics, as you'll see when you go there. And you can also subscribe, actually, to the newsroom uh, to your email. So just put your email there, and you could get uh, subscription, you know, you could subscribe to the uh, to that. And so also you can, you know, you know, like here on Facebook, you know, the pay, uh, the page and thing, things of that nature. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to find, you know, find any <laughs> information because, yeah, Google – Google's really bad with that. Thank you. Okay. Well, then, uh, I found, uh, you know, another thing. Uh, well, let's, let's see how long this article is. It's not much. But uh, we're going to see about trying to get this. And, Kelly, if you got any way you could try to help out, uh, with this as well, we talked earlier, folks, and and you can listen to the earlier part of the uh, of the show for the for the in, you know in our archive uh, on this guy we were talking about earlier. It's called Kevin Ship. I think I found something about him on here. Uh, it's just an article uh, that I found. It says Kevin Ship, a highly decorated and top ranked, and, and Kelly, yeah, if you can in a way help me get this guy on, and I'll try too. It'd be great if we could. That'd be awesome. Uh, get him on the show. Uh, it says, Kevin Chip, a highly decorated and top-ranked ex-CIA counterintelligence officer, told the Canada Free Press that his experience working for the federal government agency was akin to being in the belly of the beast. But it didn't start out that way. Ship joined the agency because he wanted to defend his nation and pledged to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. He wasn't expecting the CIA to be the enemy. <laughs> It started in the mid-1990s when Schiff discovered evidence of a vulnerability in CIA operations that put many undercover agents at serious risk. When he discovered his evidence to – or delivered his evidence to top CIA channels, it disappeared twice. On his third attempt, he hand-carried the report to the highest levels of the CIA. The breach wasn't fixed, so Schiff went to the Department of State Inspector General – who accepted the findings, but the CIA merely received a slap on the wrist. After these events, Kevin Shipp and his family felt the wrath of the Mammoth Agency. They were moved to another location, and as he detailed in his book, uh, from the Company of Shadows, the toxic living quarters his family was assigned to nearly kill them. Shipp courageously fought back and, at great personal cost, became a whistleblower. Today is sounding alarms about geoengineering programs, vaccines, and autism links, and the autism link. The 9-11, and we talked about this on the show. I know uh, Jim Connett Jr. has <clears throat> calling, excuse me, calling 9-11 a false flag terror event and how our food supply is poisoned with genetically modified organisms, uh, or GMOs. It says, ships experience in the belly of the beast. Also gave him a powerful insider perspective about how the deep state or shadow government, and that's again what uh, Jim Condit and uh, sent him some of information today. But unfortunately, we did not uh, hear a response from him because I was hoping he'd, we'd be able to get him on the show for tonight. Uh, as you know, Kelly, how difficult uh, he could be to get a hold of. Uh, but he, he definitely would like to have heard more. He may even know this guy. I don't know. Uh, continues to mandate programs. Uh, despite the dangerous health effects and the growing protest of American people. At a speech given in Northern California, hey, that's your territory, Kelly, isn't it? Uh, for geoengineeringwatch.org, SHIP details the sinister and systematic fear-based system employed to keep whistleblowers quiet. 
the dark forces in charge use a combination of intimidating techniques, non-disclosure agreements that eliminate constitutional rights, threats of prison, promotional denial, pension theft, false accusations, falsified psychological reports, demotions, harassment, and even death. Well, how many times uh, in, you know, have we heard about you know, the people on Hillary Clinton, right? It says uh, there may be hundreds of thousands of potential whistleblowers in our ranks of our military and government agencies, and there is no doubt that if an employee were to expose a dark underbelly of what they see or do every day, there may be a serious personal cost. Uh, Kevin Shipp said he stopped having fear. So that's a little bit about Kevin. Um, there's an Kelly. Uh, perhaps. Wow. Yeah, Kelly here. Are, are, somehow you're fading. I want to quickly try to address. Um, yeah, Jim Condit probably can't make it because he's working on something very important. Uh, watch the vote. The uh, president's Oh, go ahead. Yeah, tell us an update on that. Yeah, well, we've been working on that, talking about it on a conference call. It just takes an enormous amount of work and then editing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a very honorable thing that Jim is doing, and I don't blame him for not being here. So, um, yeah, so there's that. Um, oh, goodness, what other topics? There's so many going on. Um, I'm not jog my memory here. You just, you just hit a number of things. Um, I've had a long day, by the way. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah, I've had a migraine all day. It was awful. Go ahead. Oh, that's not good. Hey, when oh, you were no, in Nebraska, it was, it was did you a, get to see it, it was a bad one, too. I was feeling a little dizzy and everything today. I still went to work, but <laughs> it was awful. I almost left. I was like, yeah, but I kept stretching out. Like, every couple hours, I was like, just a couple more hours, Robert. Rob. Just a couple more hours, Rob. Just a couple oh. more hours, and I finally made it through the day. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you, uh, did you get to see the sun go dark with the eclipse? Uh, well, I well I I did get to see it get dark. I did not get to see the uh, the totality. Forty minutes before uh, forty minutes before the eclipse went total, these came in. I bought these special binoculars at a good cost too. Let me tell you, <laughs> they were supposed to that you, they were designed to to watch in the partial eclipse, right? To watch it, uh, but the clouds were mm-hmm. so thick I couldn't even see through the clouds with these binoculars. Um, and and then five minutes after the t- totality was over, boom, clouds faded. I mean, so I did get to see the you know the moon be- start to cover the sun, and then I did get to see the moon leave the sun. You know, but unfortunately, you know, I, and it did get dark, and I was able to see uh, Venus at one o'clock in the afternoon, which was pretty cool. Um, oh, wow, but yeah, yeah. I, I, the the totality. Yeah, I was pretty upset, but. You know, I guess it gives me seven more years to fight because I'm. I, that's on my bucket list is to see uh, a total eclipse, and I missed it because of the clouds. And then, uh, but it's it's coming across America again in a different direction in seven years. So in seven years, I'll try it again. Yeah, cool. Yeah, actually, I, um, I had a welder's mask on, and you can see. Yeah, look at that. And you know, even to where the sun was just. But a sliver, but on the ground it looked um, just just barely faded. If you hadn't noticed it, you just might want to weren't paying attention. Didn't know there was an eclipse. It'd probably be like, oh, it's just another day. But actually, to the west, um, I could see it getting dark. Um, 
you know, kind of like the reverse of the sun. When the sun goes down, I should look to the east to get dark. I mean, that's kind of the obvious. I could begin to actually see that, and it was kind of cool. Um, oh, yeah. So, they get dark, you know, it's pretty neat. Yeah, but the world hadn't didn't come to an end yet, so I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to see some good things. We rented a uh, yeah, rented a beach house out in Nebraska, and it was so dark there. I had a balcony that I went on, and um, I went out there, and I mean, it was so dark. And I know we're digressing a little bit, folks. I'll tell a little bit about my trip. Um, since I was hoping I'd be able to see you or, or, or Susan there, but I understand. Uh, but we ended up going the the uh, I ended up going to South Dakota as well, and, and went to uh, and went to the Mount Rushmore, which is pretty cool. It was it didn't stay there long, uh, but anyway. But you know, I mean, you could see the Milky Way. That's how dark it was, and I love looking. I love looking up at the stars. Uh, I know I'm kind of maybe a geek that way or something. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, hope was romantic maybe, but. Uh, but I do, and but you could, you know, love looking at looking up at the stars. You know, you could see the Milky Way. It was so dark. It was it was really it was awesome. That that part was awesome. So I mean, I did miss the the eclipse, which you know I, I am disappointed about. But I did get to see, you know, while I drove out there, you know, I did get to see a lot of, you know, fields of sunflowers, which was really awesome. And you know, you know, of course I couldn't do, but it was it was just really cool. I mean, just from the left to the right is yellow on both sides and then the black road, you know, strip of road going up to nowhere, it seemed. Uh, so even the drive was pretty, was pretty amazing. So, uh, you know, I, I got to see something, experience something I never have before. So I can't complain about that. So, you know, there was one big, big part. I tell you what, I, I, I was so disappointed when I was like, I'm like, man, I drove seven, 800 miles to go see, you know, a total eclipse and, I wasn't able to. Oh no, we uh, Kelly's call got dropped. That's terrible. The phones must have died. Well, it looks like that. There's uh, just you and I, John, on the phone. We just lost. Uh, just telling Kelly and uh, looks like Kim and Susan's call dropped. You know what? I tell you what. NSA Bob is at work. Let me tell you, John. What do you think? We just lost those two on the line. I tell you what. Every time, not every time, but you know this, John. A lot of times when we start talking about these topics, weird – like I say, it's Bart's logic after dark. Weird shit happens. Uh, I'm telling you. Calls get dropped. My Remember a couple of weeks ago uh, we are talking about things going on in, uh, I think, Venezuela and you know some of the things that the media is not covering, and we got cut off. I'm telling you, sometimes when we get on certain topics, you know, we get technical difficulties. Uh, now we just dropped a couple of people. We'll see if that was their phones or if they just got cut off. Uh, but John is just being you, so we'll we'll go here as uh, you know at least you know talking online. We'll do this as long as we we can last. Uh, but then you know I have to close out the show in less than a half an hour anyway. But John, is that not weird or what? I think NSA Bob uh, has struck again. The sad part of it is, is if if it is NSA Bob as we give him credit, then he's proven he's an, not an American because he's trying to, dis, you know, cut off people's right to freedom of speech, freedom of expression. And even though, like Kelly was talking about earlier, about we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty and he shouldn't have to continue to prove himself again and again at different people, well, you know, the Declaration of Independence and Constitution is about 
governing between us all. When it comes to our personal lives and how we treat each other on the street, you know, most people just don't even care about the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. So they think, hey, you're guilty until you prove to me that you're worthy of my acceptance or privilege or whatever. And that's sad to say, but that seems to be the way it works these days. And I'd hope that I'm not that way. If I am, people need to call me out and set me up because sometimes I've been just as guilty as the next guy, and I thought I wasn't in the wrong. And that's why I think we have to try to keep each other um, abreast of our own, what do you call it, short-sightedness or blind side, maybe to speak. That's about all I I was going to say that's about all I can think of on that particular agenda. I mean, I know what you're talking about a couple weeks, two or three weeks ago, whenever Dr. Tolbert was, you know, going through a roll on all these different things that were of question, and then, bam, everybody was cut off. Yeah, it was kind of Oh, yeah, it was crazy. And then, like you were just mentioning, there's been other times where, for whatever reason, different people get cut off and whatnot, and it's been quite a while. Well, other than just the last couple of times in the last few weeks, but other than that, it's been a while back since I remember us being cut off. But well, then again, well, that's I, mean, good. I guess NSA Bob's got to take a break sometime, right? <laughs> well, it makes you wonder, though, if, if it's really NSA Bob, then why is he even let us talk as long as he does? And why isn't he here every week trying to delay, you know, mess up our that's conversation? That's true. I mean, you know, That's true. Reason, it is, it is what we it is what we call a mystery, uh, John. Because you were just mentioned that you know they could have just had batteries go dead. Who knows? Yeah, well, I'm wait, I'm waiting for a I'm, I'm waiting for a message from Susan and see what, what she says. She just uh, she just sent me a message and, and said she hope I she hopes I don't have a bike ring tomorrow. Because I tell you what, if I have if I have one. Uh, well, like I did today, I, I very well may not go to work tomorrow. But I don't have to be at work until late tomorrow. I do have to take my daughter to school. Uh, but then after that, I can come back and get a few more hours of Z's. And, yeah, I'll be up for a couple hours at least uh, after the show because it, it does take me time to unwind. <laughs> you know, I get just can't have a show and, and then – and then and, and then go straight you know go straight to sleep. That's just not something I can do. <laughs> you know, I might have to yeah. – I don't know. I, I took some medications today, so I don't know if I can have me a I, – I usually like to have myself a little nightcap, you know, maybe like a Jameson or something like that, just a little bit um, the edge off because relaxing is not one of my my, my, my strong points. <laughs> that, that's not something I have a uh, – I, I don't do well. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't even know what a Jameson is, but from the Irish whiskey. We were talking, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, when we were talking earlier, and somebody was mentioning about you know George Soros having so much control over all this and stuff, and, and to me, it's like it's got to be a group of people because even no matter who gets in what position, oh yeah, nobody mm-hmm. can operate with even just a small group. It has to be a, a large network of people that are colluding with each other in order to manipulate the system. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't be able to be manipulated. But the sad part that I see with where we're at today is throughout the, at least the entire 50-some, almost 60 years I've been on this planet, I've never, ever seen our country actually 
adhere to the Constitution, in my opinion, but I wasn't paying attention as closely as I have the last 15 or 18 years or whatever. But this, in a you know, that same vein, it's like all of the different congresses and stuff that keeps going through at some point in 2003 or four, someplace around there, I started getting wind mm-hmm. of the Patriot Act and the NDAA and all these different things. And then I'm seeing even today when you watch C-SPAN and you see the dang Congress passing all these different bills. Now, I don't know how many of these different bills Donald Trump's actually signing and putting through, but they're consolidating power to different entities and bureaucracies in order to have more control over our data and our, you know, whatever we do and stuff. And I'm like going, mm-hmm. there's got to be other people that's seeing this other than just me. And I'm like going, Donald Trump, if he's just never talking about this stuff because he wants to keep us distracted to the other stuff, it makes me start wondering, well, what's Donald Trump's real motive here? Or have they also cornered him and now he's being manipulated or segregated in order to be a distraction for we the people while the establishment in both parties or, you know, all the different groups that are part of this interloping insurrectionist group that, that are working on the inside trying to manipulate us, uh, is uh, have they got to him now? And that's why they were able to run Bannon and Gorka and all, you know? Right, yeah, that that is a concern. Yeah, those two leaving. At first, you know, especially with Bannon, I didn't think it was much of a concern, uh, but yeah, seeing that it's, it's it's like they're all going to be replaced with you know uh, the globalists, you know, and the people controlled by the multinational corporations, and so you know, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's my concern. And I, here's what I think. I mean, I you know, I, I think Trump you know had an idea of how deep the swamp is. And you always talk, hear him talk about draining the swamp, but I don't think he realized how not only deep the swamp is, but how wide it is. And it's almost to the point where I, and I'm concerned that it may be – I don't want to say it's too late. I never want to say that because think about it. I mean there's still hundreds – I mean there's only you know, a, just a, a handful of thousands of people in the government. I mean you've got hundreds of millions of people in this country. You know, but if you could get you know, even you – know, not even half of that you know, to, to wake up and, and see what's going on. You know, and then for one, if people, if more people are awake and just think, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory, and oh, that's just BS, or I tell you what, or, or, there, or there's apathy. I mean, I, I was uh, at dinner tonight, and you know, I was, you know, having some dinner tonight, and with, uh, and I heard people, you know, talking, you know, because a group of, you know, my family got together, brothers, sisters, things of that nature, and. Uh, you know, I had a, I was talking to one of my brother-in-laws. He's like, I'm just, you know, or my and one of my nephews too, and they're like, you know, we're just done. I mean, and they used to follow politics, but they're almost getting to the point where they're like, you know, I'm done. I'm tired of it. I mean, and I can kind of understand. Cause, I mean, I even sometimes have the feeling where I'm like, you know what? I just want to take care of you know me and mine, you know, and you know, just kind of as long as I'm taking care of my life, you know, who cares? I'll just adapt and adjust to what's going on in the world and. You know, not try to uh, talk about it or fight, you know, fight against it or anything of that nature. Not that it's, you know, it's again, it's, it's my nature to, to, to do so. But I mean, I do see, and I do understand where there's people. But I've always been passionate about politics. I've been passionate about politics since I was 10 years old. 
you know. Uh, so it's, it's harder for myself, you know, to, to walk away from it, you know. But, I mean, I can see where people who, you know, they may have an interest, you know, in it and, and want to know what's going on. But, I mean, I could see where things have gotten where they're just like, you know what, I'm sick of it. And, just, and it just has grown in apathy. I mean, I understand that point. I think it's dangerous, and I think it, the the things have been set up so that people would, you know, have that feeling of apathy that they, there's nothing they can do. But the, what they need to realize is, you know, we still, and I, when I mean we, we the people, you know, we still vastly outnumber them. And if we the people actually would, you know, and masses wake up, and I mean, I do think Trump had a movement. You know, I mean, I went to many rallies, you know, when I was interviewing folks, as you know, for the show. Uh, right. You know, and I, I talked to a ton of folks, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, as I said, it's a Dina movement. They said it was a movement. You know, I've got audio clips. You know, I could find them, you know, where people are saying, you know, that it is. And so, I mean, I'll talk about older, younger people who voted for decades, you know, things of that nature. <laughs> One guy, excuse me, uh, he voted for the first time and he was 40 something years old. You know, right. so I think some people, but I just don't know if there's not. Go ahead. I just don't think there's enough. Yeah, I was just saying, right, I agree with you. I mean, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying throughout this last little episode you went through here, um, it's like, to me, Trump is such a successful business person, but he doesn't probably, like you were saying, understand the level of corruption and how broad it is throughout all of the different elements of our society and now that he's in there and he's getting a better look on what's going on and stuff maybe mm-hmm. that's why Bannon and Gorka feel that they will be better work you know we mentioned this earlier in this conversation where maybe they feel that they're trying to rally we the people from the outside because Trump isn't doing that much in my opinion to actually rally it's kind of like herding cats but at the same time, you have to be trying to hurt the cats. And I don't—I just think mm-hmm. Trump gets up there and says all these flowery things that sound kind of neat and cool, and then they, you know, says things to kind of give bait for the media to run roughshod over him and manipulate him and stuff. And I'm like, dude, quit giving them that kind of bait, you know? And so, therefore... He's not really, it doesn't look like he's really trying to lead. Otherwise, he would be speaking more to we the people and trying to mobilize us, patient in helping him get what he wants done. Because like you were just saying, there's more of us than there are of them. But if we can't get all together to work together and be actively involved in making sure that, you know, each little step is clean and clear to all people and that we all are walking in unison and making each of those steps come to fruition, then we're just a bunch of babbling people talking off the wall at different things, and we don't have any organized movement actually going anywhere. It's You know, it's, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think we can make, you know what I mean, I think we can make a difference. You know, Kelly was talking earlier, you know, about what Jim Conn is working on, and, and, and you know, uh, being with us as long as you have, John, is that, you know, it, I, I really think that, you know, even a little group like us made a difference. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, and, and I'll give the credit more towards Jim than than myself or or even the show. And that is, I mean, yeah, we had him on, and you know, we he was able to get information to me. I was able to get information to Virgil Good. You know, Virgil very well is probably spoke with you know, Trump about it. 
Uh, what we're referencing, folks, is about the electronic voter fraud, and that was something Jim Condit was, you know, working a lot with. And I mean, he he got a letter to uh, uh, to Rand Paul uh, for Rand Paul to give to Trump. And now Trump has already talked about voter fraud, but he really wasn't talking about you know electronic voter fraud until after Jim Condit's uh, efforts with Watch the Vote, as Kelly's saying earlier. Uh, about the electronic, and then you know, and then I, I had lunch with uh, Virgil Goode uh, down in Virginia last year, and uh, that well, was back in July when it, when I had that discussion with him, early July, and you know we were talking about you know, he was kind of. Put on some things, perhaps behind the scenes, uh, for Trump. And uh, and then you know, we we're talking about the electronic voter fraud. So I know we I know we had uh, I know Virgil had conversations with Trump, and I know Virgil uh, endorsed Trump. We even had uh, Virgil on the show, uh, you know, after his endorsement uh, of of Trump, and you know, to talk more about that and why he, you know, as you recall, he ran for president for the Constitution Party, and he was a he was a Republican congressman for quite some time uh, there for Virginia. Um, and he, he, he did come out to the work for Trump. We did talk about the electronic voter fraud. So, you know, even a, a group like Watch the Vote, you know, with 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 Jim and, and Kelly, who was a part of it as well. And then, you know, us, you know, I was working with them, you know, and, and doing a small part, you know. And but actually, my talking with with Virgil, you know, to talk with them, I said we were able to get that information out to Trump. And I and I think that what happened is I think that the powers that be truly had the technology and uh, the wherewithal to rig the vote uh, this year. I mean, I, and I, I said this before, and I'll say it again, as I think that, I mean, Trump, you know, I think Trump had the numbers. I mean, after seeing all the rallies and things of that nature, I mean, I, I thought it would take, you know, some shenanigans with the electronic voting fraud uh, to have Hillary Clinton win. I do. Uh, and I mean, even up to that night, uh, I thought that there was still a possibility. But I think what happened is I think the powers that be stood down. I think they had the capability. Well, cause remember that article earlier. I mean, the, the the voting the voting machines are owned by only five like you know you know co- companies, and so yeah. you know, and then those companies are are, are you know are, are in bed with the Fed, right? You know, it's a federal bank, and so. You know what I'm. You know what I'm thinking is that you know, they knew. We, they knew we, and uh, not just us here on the show and Jim and them. But I think you know through Trump putting it out there. I think uh, they knew that we were onto them. I think they knew we, the people, were onto them, and we knew that if Hillary Clinton would have gotten elected, then we would have known that there was definitely. And I think that's why they're pushing the the Russian narrative. I mean, when they thought when they really thought that they had it in the bag and Hillary's going to win, did they talk about did they talk about you know this Russian thing going on? No, you know, this possible Russian you know manipulation of our voting system. No, they didn't talk about it. It wasn't until after Donald Trump won the election because they couldn't rig it to do it because if they rigged it, the people would have known it was bullshit, you know. And then they I think they stood down and let the the election come. You know, and happen as it was going to happen, and Trump won, which, you know, I think, uh, to say it, yeah, I thought he was going to win unless there was some kind of uh, manipulation of the voting machines, and and so well, we've we've got that now, but they probably thought, you know what, fine, Trump's going to win, 
But as you see it, they don't give a rat's ass about what the people – who the people have chosen uh, to be the president. They don't care. They want the, they want to maintain their globalist, multi-national you know, corporation agenda. With, yeah, within reason. If they get a sense that there's going to be an uprising riot, then they kind of back down. I think – like I don't know about everybody else. You know, I have a hard enough time trying to keep up with myself, but I, I'm, I'm – you know, I think it's important to contact Congress and even the news media and go on these different oh, yeah. shows and bring up the points. And whenever I'm talking to other people, if there's other, you know, talk shows I'm on or if I um, stumble across people that are bringing up the conversation about the election or whatnot, I try to always remind them, you know, go check out WatchTheVoteUSA.com or, or OpenLetterToDonaldTrump.com or ElectionNightGatekeepers.org. Go check that out. And get and you know see what that's all about and stuff because then that helps get more people involved. But at the same time, mm-hmm. whenever I seen the RC doing stuff with Mike Lee, and you can go check this out on C-SPAN and the listeners. I'm whenever I talk, I try to think of the other people listening. I'm not always just talking at you or the people on the call. I'm also sharing what I'm sharing from the standpoint that I don't know who else is going to end up listening to this conversation, but. You go to cspan.com and you look up the 2016 RNC Rules Committee meeting, and halfway through the um, uh, video, you watch for Mike Lee to stand up, and he's trying to convince everybody that, you know, if you're a delegate of the RNC, you vote your conscience and stuff. And naturally, at that point, he wanted Ted Cruz to get the nomination for the presidency. Mm-hmm. And, and so, man, I came up with that little. Um, thing about you know the RNC's trying to nullify the votes of the citizens or whatnot. So then I started. Oh, calling they they did that in 2012. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to make is that I started calling media and campaign people and and senators and Congress and everybody saying saying. Hey, read all about it. The RNC is trying to nullify the vote of the of the citizens. I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but I was calling different people and leaving messages on their voicemail and their phone message machines and stuff because I wanted them to get the point that, hey, the Republican conservative group are on to you guys and you're trying to manipulate the vote and, and they're getting the word out. And that's just little things like that that contribute to their, you know, standing down. Because within reason, like you're saying, they don't care about us or what we think, and they're going to do what they want to do. But if enough of us make enough noise and they think, oh, wait, this could turn into a riot, these people are getting into blah, 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 then they kind of, like you said, stand down and they let what's going. And truthfully, it's kind of sad whenever it takes a billionaire to run for office because nobody else – I mean, you can't get a – Pretty much nobody that's less than a billionaire is going to be able to run unless they've got backing by big money somebody else. And how many big money people that's going to so they be you know, awfully like famous? <laughs> like any of the other 17 candidates that were on the Republican stage, they all had money coming from someplace, so they were going to be beholden to those entities. And most of those entities probably in one way or another, either directly or indirectly, probably had a tie to these big wigs that have access to the Federal Reserve and the money um, lenders, money master group. 
you know, like Jim Condit Jr. talks about, go listen to The Secret of Oz, you know, look up on YouTube, The Secret of Oz and the Money Masters, and check out those two videos, and it'll help solidify a, a number of things. Back to you, um, if you want to cut it for the night because you want to get some snooze or, you know, have a better night of sleep, it's up to you. It's your show, bro. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess technically it's my show, but you know, I say it's our show, John. Uh, And you know, so we could do that. I do see it's uh, that is quarter till, so it's about uh, about that time uh, anyway. And you know, I do have some uh, some things uh, to attend to, Uh, so I got to check on. You know, my daughter's working on a paper uh, that hopefully she's still not up doing it, but I have a feeling that she may very well be, Um, and I kind of feel partially uh responsible for that because you know we they she actually when i say we because she brought her best friend um uh missed their first week of school because of uh the vacation and normally i wouldn't schedule a vacation you know during the first week of school but you know went out to nebraska to go see the uh the solar eclipse um and so made a you know vacation out of it for you know at the end of the year and and so, uh, you know, but but now I'm kind of like, oh, this might made her first couple of weeks of school, you know, on her, her, you know, her sophomore year tougher. And I'm kind of feeling bad about that. So <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll try to make it. Well, you know, it's your, your, you know, 15 now. It's your responsibility to make sure you get your, your work done. And, you know, because you got to prepare for college and, you know, you know, dad's not going to be there. I mean, I'll be there, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, you're, I'm not going to be there to help you with your college stuff, you know, unless, you know, you're staying at home and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know if she's going to go away for college or not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but that's three years from now, so who knows uh, what will transpire in that time. But uh, but anyway, uh, so, yeah, so I feel kind of personally responsible for that. So I'm like, oh, I, you know, I don't want her grades to suffer. And she just started a, and and she just started a an AP or an advanced uh, course in English because she's talked about maybe being, you know, a writer or something. So, you know, I talked her into signing up for an advanced uh, advanced course in English. And and boy, I mean, they, they, she was she'd been there a week and they already wanted them to write a five page paper. So. Wow, that's pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Coach, I mean, if she would have, she would have, she would have had time to do it. Would have been, it would have been pretty awesome. But uh, you know, but you know, well, I mean, she only had. I mean, they they really gave her like a day to do it, huh? I'm just saying that's pretty cool in the sense that that's a vote of confidence from them to her. Well, yeah, but she she wasn't able to do it. She got inundated with so much other homework. I mean, she had the, that that paper and then. She had uh, she does go to a Catholic school, so uh, she had religion homework, and then she had uh, you know geometry, which I hate geometry, and then she had chemistry homework, and it's just like there's just so much homework that she had to to try to get caught up on, you know. And the thing kind of I could say because we're in Bard's logic after dark, but it kind of pisses me off because you know they make it like oh yeah it's no big deal and this and that blah 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 you know being gone the first week of you know, uh, of school, and now it seems like they do want to punish her for it. You know, and I actually got a, a, a email out to her. You know, I got an email out to her English teacher, which just happens also to be the vice principal. You know, I said, "Call me. I want to ask you about this paper." 
you know, and the thing is, is with her school, and I know we're going completely off topic uh, at this point, but, you know, what, what, she's not going to be going to that school next year because they're closing, okay? But they didn't even tell us they were closing until September of last year after she already started that school. Kind of made me mad because they were, they, were, they were dishonest. You know, they made us feel, you know, during the you – know, that we were going to – that she was going to graduate from that school and then – you know, one month into class, oh well, we're closing after next year. You know, we're 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 merging with another school, and uh, it's just the way they handle it was awful. I I can't imagine, you know, spending, and I'm not going to. I'm not sending her to the merging school because one, I feel like they lied to me, and and two, you know, I'm like I'm not going to spend that type of that type of money that I'm that I'm working my ass off for. So. You know, the center of so place where I don't I don't trust the people. In your local area next time. I'm sorry. So she's going to the public school in your local area this next time, or I guess this oh, year. Oh hell, no, hell no, no. I'm sending her to a. Um, I, I live. Uh, there's another school just across the river in a different state. Uh, I'm probably going to send her to that. Oh wow! It's another she. Yeah, with yeah, with this this year she goes to an all girl an all girl Catholic school, and yeah, I you, found another school. You were, when you were putting together that little um, parent group or whatnot to see if you could do something about keeping the school, school open, what right. happened with that? They wouldn't even listen to us. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. No, we we try to get some information. I mean, they wouldn't even work with us. Wouldn't even work with us. Yeah, let's say yeah, they wouldn't even work country, That's the way so many people in our country is. They just don't want to. It's like what Kelly was talking about. They don't want to work with you. They just want to call your names and manipulate your conversation. Yeah, they they, they didn't even work with us. So you know, I'm like, you know, I'm spending all this money. You know, I'm working uh, my regular job and then if something on the side to curtail the cost of that. And I'm like, you know what? And I'll have to do it with the other school, and it is you know a little less expensive, but. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to you – know, I'll do it this year. Yeah, I did it this year for continuity, and her best friend still goes to the school she goes to now. Um, but now here we are. It's, now it sounds like we're just having a, a conversation <laughs> with a phone instead of, hey, just, you know, instead of having something that's relevant. But I want to say one last thing before you go. Since you were on this topic, you made me think of something. There was a, a young boy. He was long-haired and stuff, and he, he was probably 16 or so. And went to his dad and said, "Hey, I, I want the, you know, keys to the car and use the car." And dad was like, "Well, cut your hair. I told you a week ago to get your hair cut." And he says, "What do you mean, cut my hair?" He says, "Hey, dad, Jesus had long hair, you know." And he goes, "Yeah, and Jesus walked everywhere he went. So get to trucking." <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. So. But anyway, yeah, it is about that time for me to close things out. Uh, so, but there, there, I did still leave about three minutes, uh, maybe two and a half, for you to do uh, your closing thoughts of tonight's topics, and then I'll have to close things out uh, for the show tonight. So, John, since uh, you're the only one uh, that we've got left here on the line uh, with the line open to, to speak, then let's go ahead and get your closing thoughts, and then I'll have to close out the show for tonight. I want to thank everyone for uh, coming uh, to the. It was kind of a, an impromptu thing because I was gone all week and then I was trying to get some things together and, and, and I apologize for the technical issues we had in the beginning of the show, but I think we were able to work through those. Uh, but uh, appreciate it. And then of course, uh, see us again 
uh, next time next Wednesday, uh, where we'll be having um, a couple other topics. We'll just see what happens in the news. It always seems like there's something, something new. Uh, but I, I'm going to try to get some this guest. There's so many people I've been trying to get a hold of, but they're not they're not as easy to get a hold of as they used to. I don't know why, but uh, maybe there's something to that as well. But go ahead, John. Now, I, now unfortunately, yeah, I just I, cut your time down to two minutes. <laughs> no, that's okay. I just want to tell everybody my heart is with all of everybody, especially those down in Houston that's going through the struggle with this water and the weather and stuff. And like we were talking about earlier, if anybody knows anybody in the trucking industry that gets access to these water tanker trucks, tell them to round up about 300 of them, go down there and help siphon all this water out of these people's houses in um, Texas and pump, you know, take it all the way to California and help our agriculture folks out there with our crops and stuff. And uh, just to share this podcast and visit BargeLogicPoliticalTalk.com as often as possible and get as many of your friends and family involved with um, taking, you know, getting America back on track. And I hope and pray that everybody realizes that if we don't start working together, we're going to self-destruct. And I mean, the, the if this deep state group wants to keep interrupting people's um, communications or they want to ostracize and alienate certain groups, you know, between these Black Lives Matter or alt-left and alt-right and the white supremacists and stuff, if they're legal United States citizens, they still need to be involved with the system because when you start alienating them and pushing them out and saying that they're not equal to, you know, self-governing, then they will get um, violent. And I think we need to avoid that. Uh, Thank you, and you have a great week, and uh, I hope all your family and everybody's doing well and everybody's healthy. Thank you very much, John. You too. I appreciate you coming to the show. And, of course, uh, yes, folks, uh, definitely check out uh, the podcast, share it with uh, your friends. You can also, as I said, uh, download it to your mobile devices by going to iTunes. Uh, if you have any problems on those, you can also reach me uh, by the Bard's Logic Political Talk contact page uh, where you can send me an email. Uh, you can also, and I do need to do more on Twitter, but you can also follow me on Twitter uh, there as well. Uh, and uh, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn as well too, but boy, I, I don't do social media that much. I don't do Facebook much except uh, for promoting the show. Uh, LinkedIn, I, I really don't do that much. I don't do Twitter. You know, they say when you do podcasts, you do more of that stuff, but uh, you know, uh, times unfortunately of the essence where I, I do as much as I can, but I, I do and should go and, and do more, more of that. But, but anyway, folks, uh, we will look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Uh, and appreciate you coming on. And of course, I will end tonight as I do every night. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So take care, folks. Have a good night. And we'll see you next week. Good night. More technical difficulties here. There you go. Thank you.